Hi, Sid. Good to have you on the show. Nice to be here, Hardy. Thanks. So uh, for everybody who doesn't know you, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a um, uh, well, certified nutritionist and uh, written a couple books and have a podcast and was on YouTube for a long time. And now I'm on Vimeo and I direct an ultra marathon and I run a wellness center at a resort in Mendocino, California. And I um, co-authored a meal plan system with a guy named Matt Frazier. And so I'm, I'm doing a bunch of stuff, a bunch of cool stuff. <laughs> so uh, before we talk about your books, your podcasts and so on and so forth, uh, could you please share with our listeners a bit of your life story? So, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I, well, I, I grew up moving on a little bit. My dad was with the airlines, but I, I went to UCLA and got my bachelor's degree in philosophy. And I always joke that that prepared me very well for what a philosophy major does, which is that I wanted to pursue indie rock music. And so I, after, after I graduated from UCLA, I was playing music and, um, but a, a friend of mine gave me a book cause I had been, had asthma my whole life uh, up until then. I was about 23 at this point. And I was given a book and I, it was on nutrition and I'd never really read on that before. And, and it kind of opened my eyes and I made a little dietary change and my asthma went away. Um, and I haven't you had, had it since. Did you had, did you had like bad asthma? Because I also had yeah. asthma. So yes, oh, okay. that bad, you know, asthma attacks. And even, at, even at that time have, you know, carrying around an inhaler kind of thing. And oh. so I, I made a little change. My asthma went away. Um, and I still played music and later went into acting and made a living acting. But that whole time for years, um, started reading nutrition book after nutrition book. It would fascinated me the power of it. Um, so much so that years later, um, after moving out of Los Angeles with my wife and moving up to where we live now, I went back to school and became a certified nutritionist. And then, um, you know, short story after that was pretty frustrated with working with people and giving them advice and then and and they not following it. And that's when I started to craft my overall approach to health and happiness, realizing it's a way bigger picture than food and and broadening out the scope and really bringing in philosophy uh, into the picture, um, getting people away from sort of micromanaging diet and getting, you know, so deep into that one area of their lives at the expense of living a good life. And that's when I started, you know, that's when I wrote my first book and launched my first podcast, um, which ran for 222 episodes. And then, uh, wrote a second book and, and canned that podcast and opened up the new one that I'm then doing now, which I'm on about 60 episode 61. I think I just did. And that leads me to kind of here. But as I became a nutritionist, then there's this resort where I live. And, and I talked to the owners, Jonah Jeff, and said, if I go back to school and do this, can I teach? And they said, absolutely. So I started teaching you know, nutrition classes and then cooking classes. And then they asked me to be the, the programs director of the wellness center. And I've been doing that um, for a few years, too. So it's been a, mm. an interesting, interesting path. So, so, uh, could you please share with us the story behind like how you became an actor? So, uh, yeah, so you have like a, a really unusual life story, so to speak. I, like, I, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, majoring yeah. In, in philosophy and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't have plan. I mean, I really philosophy, the philosophy major was my third major. I think, I think mm -hmm. I came into UCLA as a political science major, then didn't like that. So then I became English and then I liked that. Okay. But just by chance, I took a philosophy class as a, as an elective and I walked in that class and on day one, I thought this is, this is my thing. And so I think that that major kept me in school because I, 
absolutely loved studying it. But really, my goal was to play music, and I did mm-hmm. for for a long time. In fact, I toured all through Germany. That's why I was really you, ah. you didn't you didn't you didn't have to even tell me that that anything about your podcast. The fact that you were German, I was like, I'm I'm, I'm on it because I love <laughs> I love I lo- yeah. I've been all through Germany. Actually, lived in Germany for a few months. Um, and uh, yeah. Anyway, that's an aside. But um, yeah. So 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 there I was playing music. Um, playing gigs at night and working during the day at some you know random job uh, in the audiovisual department of UCLA, and um, a guy that was coming to my shows that I had met gave my photo to his agent. Well, he was what, a working What kind actor. Of, of music were you playing back then? Uh, and still do. It's alternative rock with a little bit of Western. Um, the German, the Germans liked me. I, I probably could go back. I'd like to go back there and play again. I played Berlin a couple times too, even. Mm-hmm. Um, but but anyway, and so so this guy who was coming to my shows gave my photo to his agent. And they asked me to come in and meet with them, and I didn't know really know much about, about it. Um, and they liked what they saw, I guess, and so they signed me. And I started going to auditions, and I started working pretty fast, so fast that within the next year, I quit that job that I had and became a full-time actor and musician for the next ten years. And um, and that was what you know, kind of acting were you doing back then? So. Um, Screen Actors Guild, you know, the, the kind of thing, but, um, a lot of commercials, some movie and TV, you know, people can look it up on IMDb that I'm there and, you know, I, I worked steadily. The commercials I did really were the, the way I made a, a good living. And then I was able to do, you know, TV and movies when they came up and a couple good, you know, I was on a couple movies for, you know, a couple months kind of thing. Um, and it was good and it was great because as I'm progressing in music, with the band, you know, if we had a tour or if we needed to go out of town, I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I could just call my agent and say, listen, I'm going to be out of town and they don't, you know, they don't care. So it was actually created quite a lot of freedom for me to, to pursue music and record and do all those things that I, that I really was passionate about. So, so I think that a lot of people want to make money with their passion and want to become like a musician or an actor and what have you. So, um, yeah, what would you tell them? Like, well, you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing because I worked as an actor steadily, and it was not my passion. And I remember, mm-hmm. and, and I've talked about this in my podcast a lot, and I've talked about it when I give talks. My agent said at the time when I was work at one point I was working, you know, pretty step one of the top commercial workers and actors in LA. I was just working kind of steadily, and he said to me, you know, the reason why you work is because you have other things going on. You have music as your passion. And I always remember that because acting wasn't the thing. It was a job. And if that didn't work out, I would have found another job. It wasn't the thing. Music was the thing. Mm-hmm. And and so, so because acting, the pressure wasn't there, I was able to just do it. I did a good job. I was you know good at, good at it, but I had this passion. So it's kind of like when you remove money out of the situation, it, so as it's become now with my practice now, I just want people to work at what they're passionate about. Making money at it is sort of doesn't really, it really doesn't matter. I mean, that's kind of nice. But at the same time, I don't know what would have happened musically if I had made enough. I mean, I made some money, but not enough. I would sort of any money I made, I just went right back into the band to record more, basically. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know what would have happened if, if the band had hit and gotten popular enough where I was doing that full time. I wonder if I wouldn't have loved it as much. And that's I, it's a question I can't answer. But I think looking back, I really loved music. I loved everything about it. I was free to do exactly what I wanted. And I think not having any pressure allowed that to happen. And so I don't I don't know. I think the important thing is to find something that you're passionate about and do it regardless of whether you make money or not. Mm. So, uh, Sid, could you please speak to like the best times you've had as a musician or an actor and the worst times you've had as a musician or actor? Um, 
acting, you know, I so I'll start with music. So music, yeah. um, you know, there was a little bit of drama with a band, and you know, I kind of whatever that that's just sort of rock and roll stuff. You know, one <laughs> guitar player had to fire, and then I had you know had a new guy. But um, it was funny the way that music happened where I was playing gigs, and and I for, I formed a band called the Sid Hillman Quartet, and and that was the first formal band I had, and um, and we we got you know, enough popularity that we went on tour and opening for a, a British band called Mojave three. So by the time that happens, Mojave three, we played a couple shows for them to open in Los Angeles and San Francisco. And they asked us to go, to go on tour with them the next winter. So there we are in, in February or something. And I, the band drives out to, to Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, and we meet the band, the Mojave three band there. And we get on a tour bus and it's a real, like a tour, like a tour bus. And we'd never been really on tour. We'd done some out of town stuff, but not like a thing. So it's pretty exciting. And the first night we played in, in Athens, Georgia, and we, you know, it was a great show sold out, you know, 600 people, really fun. And, and we get on the bus and we're drinking and partying. And about three in the morning, I'm sitting in the, in my laying in my bunk bed and I had forgotten to get my bags and, and sleeping bag out of the cargo area. So I'm, I'm curled up in my bunk bed, just in a jacket. And I, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm at this point, I'm like 33 and I really miss him missing my wife. And I'm like, this is not as fun as it would have been if I had been like 23, you know, like I, I was like, I was like, I wish this had happened 10 years because it's fun and it was my passion. But at the same time, I really wanted to be home. And I, at this point, and then it got even harder when the second tour I did in Europe, I had a seven month old at home and it was mm. at times, you know, torture where I was just in, you know, sitting and I should have been like, I'm in Belgium. This should be in May. And it was on one hand, but on the other hand, I was like, Oh boy, I can't wait till I get home. And mm. so that, and so that really changed the way that I kind of viewed those things. Um, you know, music was, you know, it's the personalities of it. I, I generally like, I generally had, I can't really, I have no regrets on that acting wise. Um, the best things were when it was m more creative, um, and the, and the least fun things were commercials, but sometimes commercials were fun, but they're pretty quick. Um, and sometimes it's just a little bit too, um, you know, corporate, I would say, you know, it's not as creative mm. as I would like it to be. But again, for me, it was a job, so I don't really care. Um, but the one movie I did for like two and a half months, I was away again. Um, I didn't have a child, but I was away from my wife. And so I, you know, really missed her, you know, it was like, I wanted the work, mm. but I, I don't, I don't really want to be gone. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be on the road for six months a year. You know what I mean? I like kind of being home and taking little trips and stuff like that. So all in all good experiences on both fronts. I didn't have any hellish things and most of it was just really fun. Yeah. And I think that like a lot of people who want to become writers or like musicians, they, they have those struggles that they need to keep a day job or something Yep. um to to really get this thing going and um become like work for starbucks or at starbucks or something so uh yeah yeah i think it's rough, it's it's rough. you know what i tell people now is and uh, this is a really amazing time there's some difficulties in this time but there's also some amazing stuff i was just talking to a girl that works at the resort and she wants to pursue acting and so she said you know can you give me some pointers mm. she wanted to talk and i said listen the number one thing i would tell you is work start working It's, mm -hmm. it's, an, it's an amazing time right now with YouTube and things that are happening where you can, as an actor, work. You can put on your own show. You can create scenes and record them. And even before YouTube, you could still do that on video. You can, you can work. I think what happens is we kind of have this waiting. We sit around and wait. We want the call to come in. Mm -hmm. And people, you, you want to be a writer? 
write, start writing. It, that's the thing. People, they just kind of want, no, I'm going to, I'm going to be a writer, but I'm not actually going to write. It's like, no, produce, <laughs> you know, if you're a screenwriter, start writing screenplays today. And if they suck, throw them out when they're done. But that's one mm. more screenplay you have. On, you're going to be better the next time you do that screenplay. So I think Great a lot of it five. is, yeah, we like the idea of being an actor, being a musician. Mm. Well, work your ass off. And then if the stuff comes great, if it doesn't, you're, you've still worked your ass off and you're feeling good and you've done, you've put good stuff into the world, you know? So it's like, it, that was a hard, a tough love thing with her. It's like, no work. Don't, don't, don't mess around. Start working. Yeah. And yeah. I think that most people uh, are waiting for this magical moment. Yeah. yeah the and... overnight success. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what happened then, Sid? Like after after you you uh, pursued acting and so on and so forth. Well, we had been you know at that point by the time um well about I'd been acting about ten years full time um and we had been in Los Angeles almost twenty years you know my wife also went to UCLA we started and we graduated a year apart but we had been in in LA for a long time uh, we had a daughter at this at this time. And just kind of coincidentally, um, my band, I had really started to hate uh, playing live in Los Angeles. The Just the way that the city was and the way the clubs were. I think I got a little spoiled by playing around the country and also in Europe where it was people wanted to be. They wanted you there and they were excited. And L.A. sort of had so many bands that it was sort of like, Ugh, you know, nobody really is all every, you know. And so I had already told the band, listen, I don't want to play Los Angeles anymore. If we get a tour If we get an out-of-town gig, I'm all for it. I don't want to play Los Angeles. So that had mm. started to to finish. We were recording an album. That was happening. But I didn't want to play L.A. Then my acting, the acting business really changed. And I remember the last year I lived in Los Angeles, I, I booked like four commercials that first two months of that year and none of them went on television. Because that's how you make most of your money is when it starts to air and you make residuals. And so the business really changed, mm. and I thought, I thought, man, is this a sign? And I also, I, just for a whole bunch of reasons, one of them being reality television got started getting popular, so actual actors were getting less work. And so I wasn't going out for auditions for TV and movie as much. I was just doing commercials. I didn't really, I started to really not like them. And I started talking to my wife. I said, I wonder if we can get out of here. You know, like I just, I think LA is, it's, it's killing me, you know? And she was kind of feeling the same way. And so we started to look um elsewhere and we moved to a little town that is the exact opposite of los angeles and and uh and we've been living here for 13 years now and so it, it got this thing where we just wanted to get the heck out of la and 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 coincidentally at the time i was actually you know so passionate about nutrition and and health that i thought this is my next deal How come? You know, i think is what happened with me um for sure but also seeing uh the health of generally people getting worse and um I don't know. I, I, I can't really peg why, but I, I love the field so much. I love health. I love helping people take care of themselves in a much uh, more profound way than just eating well. I, I, it's so fulfilling to me the way that music was fulfilling in, in a way artistically and, and, you know, playing in front of people and having them be affected by your work. Well, I have that same, I have that same experience with, with act, with uh, nutrition and health um, is that I see the results and it's, it's like the most fulfilling thing ever. You know, when somebody goes, I feel better, I'm happier, you know, and, and you go, whoa, are you, and even if you play a little part in that, it feels incredible. So I think I wanted to maintain the passion I had for music into another field. And that was the field. And I don't have to be away from my family as much. So there's some really nice things about that too, you know, that I don't have to be sitting in a tour bus at, you know, and, um, you know, so it, it's, it's a, to me, a better deal right now. 
Mm. So, uh, Sid, could you please speak to like what are what are the biggest epiphanies that you've had um, learning about nutrition and diet and so on and so forth? Because I think in this day and age, like there's so much contradicting information on the internet, and and people are so so confused. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that the confusion is um, a, a tragedy. And I think that it's on purpose because I think that if I can give you, uh, you know, a top 10 lists and I can tell you that uh, you need to be really, really, really careful or otherwise you're going to die, I can create I can create a fear based uh, model and you'll keep coming to me. Mm. And I don't I don't I don't like it at all. I think it's unethical. I think that the confusion around nutrition is because people are trying to make a buck and I'm, I need I want to make a living, too. The question is, at what expense? And I think the reason why people are so confused is because there's a lot of industry involved in nutrition. If you notice that people weigh in on nutrition, they talk about nutrition, they have they have advice on nutrition, and most of those people aren't even studied in nutrition. Everybody has, oh no, you should be doing this. And it's like, well, have yeah. you studied? Have you studied? Have you read the actual research? And so there's, I think there's a lot of insanity that's not science based, and it and it makes people afraid. And I don't like it. And I think the stress around food is uh, debilitating. So what I have really, the epiphany was, wow, this is more simple. The more I studied, the the simpler I began to see it. I thought, well, this is way overcomplicated. This is not, every wild animal is just eating a very simple diet and, and doing fine. They're looking at us like, you guys spend billions of dollars in pills and you know more about nutrition and yet you're getting less healthy. How's that possible, right? So I really want to simplify food for people so they can get to the real business of living fun and good lives. And, and so, so I get past the food thing so they can actually be happy. And that's when I realized this is a, I'm going to devalue food, make it simple for people and then show them how to incorporate good eating, but then move on to the other stuff that they, that I think is more important for most people. And, and I think that, um, all those, uh, all those web articles and all those content out there, um, it creates the illusion of complexity. And, it, uh, it absolutely does. Because if I can, if I, again, if I, if I can confuse you, you'll keep coming to me, right? If I can confuse, if I can confuse you and, and make it so crazy, you're going to come to me because you want, you don't want to be stressed about it. You want to feel like you, you're going to feel like you need help. And if you think I'm going to be the one to help you, you're going to keep coming to me to, to make you less afraid, to make you less confused. I would rather make somebody less confused and send them on their way and, and have them live a good life and not be tied to me to think that they need me. I don't, I don't, I never liked the guru model. I, I think it's mm. really damn damaging. I think that if people like everything my ideas, that I'm saying is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Just listen, follow me. Don't follow my <laughs> ideas. I don't like that. I think it's, I feel, I think it's really damaging. So what I always tell people is don't do what I do. Um, if you like my ideas, incorporate them and use them. And then you use them and you take them and you go do the work. And I help people um, whale beyond food. And I run a program called Small Steppers and it's 12 weeks and it helps people. It's not even food based. There's no food involved. I want people to know how to create change in their lives in a minimally stressful way so that they can actually incorporate healthy behaviors. That's the thing. Anybody can do a diet for 21 days, but can you actually incorporate change to last forever? Well, that's a different ballgame and that's more difficult. So uh, before we talk about your program, like what happened like after you, you've quit acting? Like did you directly start your, your wellness center or like? Well, yeah. so this is good. This is like I, when I always tell these stories, it's like, I go, oh, my gosh. But anyway, so my wife, <laughs> my wife is a graphic designer. That's what she mm. does. And she's been doing that for about 20 years. 
And so we're in Los Angeles acting. I'm still making money, but it's not quite what it is. And I'm getting, I'm really not liking it. So she had get, gotten into this form of printing press called letterpress, which is an antique form of printing press. So she, we bought a, a letterpress printing press. And because I had time on my hands, I thought, well, I'll learn how to do this. This looks fun. So I apprenticed with a guy and I learned how to letterpress. And that was the reason why we were able to get out of Los Angeles, because as I was printing and she was doing design, we thought, wait, we're not tied to Los Angeles anymore. I don't have to be here. If, if I don't have to act, great. I already don't want to play music here. Let's get out of here. So that's when we moved up to where I live, Mendocino. It was with we printed, she designed and I printed. And we did that for a couple of years. Um, then there was a recession in the United States in 2008 and, uh, it, the business slowed down. And so that year I went back to school, become a nutritionist. And so the, the first interim job I had was being a printer. Um, and I waited in some, you know, a restaurant at night, um, at the, at the resort actually that I work at now. Um, but when I went back to school, I shifted out of the restaurant and became the wellness the, you know, doing the wellness thing that I do now. It was really, it's a, I look back at it and I kind of, it was, I always wanted to find something that I loved and, um, and was passionate, felt good about, and that sort of bounced me around to some places. And this is where I'm settled now. I have no idea what's going to happen next. <laughs> so, so, uh, what is the wellness thing about? So could you please speak to that? And, sure. Yeah. The, yeah, the, 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 um, resort is called the Stanford Inn by the sea and it's a, uh, eco resort on the Mendocino coast and, mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. It's got 41 rooms and it's got canoeing and biking and, uh, organic pretty farm. big isn't it yeah pretty big 10 acres of land and it's got mm. an indoor, indoor pool and and but anyway it has an amazing wellness it's got a, a, a restaurant there called raven's restaurant anyway it has a great wellness center there's yoga and tai chi cool. but there's, there's also cooking and nutrition and and gardening and creative play shops joan stanford the co-owner is a is an art therapist all this amazing stuff going on yeah and so that is my home. I love that place. And, and, uh, you know, on the side, I do the books I write, but you know, I, I've written the books and, and, and do the podcast and everything, but that's sort of my base. I'm really and passionate about it. Was it like it. a dream or like, did you just, yeah. Was it a dream like building this, uh, center or that? Well, the center was, I mean, the resort, they've owned it for 40 years almost. And, and, mm -hmm. um, and, and it's grown, they've grown it. But, th but when I, took over as the programs director, we, we, we were doing some classes and things like that. We were doing yoga and Tai Chi. But then when I came in and worked with the owners, we actually made it a, a, a real wellness center. Like it's got mm -hmm. its own, it's called, you know, Mendocino center for living well. And it's got a schedule and it's, it's, a, it's a, got a website and it's got all this. Now we're doing retreats and these packages. And so that's when it really became sort of a, a, a cohesive actual center. And that's when I've been, that's what I've been really passionate about. And, and the owners, Joan and Jeff are super passionate, which is again, this, I talk about passion a lot. It's, you know, having, having, you know, all jobs are stressful, but when you have something that is more important, you know, that it's a bigger picture than just the thing that you go to work to do, it, it feels good and it feels fulfilling. Um, you know, what I tell people is like, if you have a job that isn't that for you, then find it, mm. find it elsewhere, find it, find it when you get home, you know, do something at home that you're passionate about to have something that gives that spark in your life is really important. And I, I have it at the, at the resort and I have it out, outside of the resort as well. Yeah, and I think it's also so important because work is such an um, like huge part of our life, and most people really hate what they're doing. To be honest, I think so. Uh, they do, and I I've been there. You know, I've had jobs where I can't stand it. I I I I think that the most important thing is you know if you can change your job, great, do do that. But some people can't. They're trapped, and they have to make the living, and they're paying off mm -hmm. debt. So find something 
else. Find something outside of your job that that makes you happy. You, it's important when you get home and all you do is flip on a television and drink some beers and go to sleep. It's 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 not going to be a good thing. I'm all for drinking beers, watching TV. I'm just saying most <laughs> days, some days, um, some days to come home and do something that is, you know, and this is where my small steps comes in. But, you know, to come home and, and work on a novel for 15 minutes, that that mm. is life changing. I mean, I've had clients have incredible experiences just by having a few minutes of something that they're passionate about, playing music, writing, um, you know, anything, anything, going for a run or something that is for you um, really makes the day better. Uh, when you have to go to work the next day, you're sort of got other things to look forward to when you get home. I think that's a big that's a big thing. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people fall into this trap, like scrolling through Instagram directly yeah. after work and just right. wasting their time on social media. And um, yeah, it's yeah. Like, I think I, really a big trap. So it is. It you know it's getting um it's getting worse and worse. Uh, the I just read this recently and I was talking about it in my podcast a little. Actually, not even a little bit, a decent amount. But the number one cause of death for kids in the United States from 10 to 19 years old is now suicide. And the the they attribute it in large part to social media, video games, um, but social isolation. You know, kids are physically safer in this country than they've ever been. But their rates of depression and, and anxiety are are increasing. And it's crazy. It's, We're all so, so connected. But um, so kind of, still. Yeah, so. So what I did last December is I quit all social media. I literally quit everything. I deleted everything. I deleted Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and the last holdout was YouTube because I post videos there on my channel. I have 250 videos. But then I was reading about YouTube violating child privacy laws and and the way that their algorithms work. And I so I got so so last month I quit YouTube and I went over to Vimeo. And that's what I do. And I and I it's been an experiment for me. Um, to not have any social media, I think it definitely, I took a hit in terms of um, getting people to. How long have you been doing this for a year? Last December. Yeah. And this December will be a year. I think it was December 15th. Man. I literally deleted everything. Yeah. I deleted everything. It was, it was a hard decision. I know, think, to, to, I think it's amazing because like most people that quit and they come back like in two weeks or one week. So well, I, I, I joked that it was, it was like a twitchy, it was like a twitchy two weeks after I quit, you know, like I, I kept like going back to there. Oh wait, no, I don't. Oh, go get back. You know, like we do it. So, oh, I check. And it was, and there was nothing to go to. And it was weird how, how trained we are behaviorally to just, you know, have that thing so accessible. Um, when you read about the Cal Newport um, is a PhD. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He wrote the yeah, book yeah, called very popular yeah, guy. Right. Deep work and, and digital minimalism. But he recites the study that they that they used to sort of model the way that they form these companies, which is they intermittently let you know your likes. So in other words, if you post on Instagram, let's say 25 people like your photo, you won't see all 25 yet. You'll, they, they drip that out and they do it because you actually end up visiting more if, if you don't see a change every time. So you'll go on, you'll see five likes, then you'll go on again. It'll still be five likes that then you go on again, then it'll be seven and they, and oh, they drip man. and they, yeah, they drip it on purpose. It's based on a study in the seventies with pigeons where they found out if, if the pigeon clicks a button and they get a treat, Button, treat, button, treat. Then they found out if they don't give a treat every time, the the pigeon will actually push the button more. And that's the model that they use. And it's very successful, but it's very addictive. And when you have yeah. it in the hands and you have it in the hands of kids who are whose brains are just developing, 
Um, it is a model for if, if unchecked, it is a model that is really disastrous. And, and so, you know, my, my new book is on parenting and healthy families because parents have got to be on top of this in a way that they understand the nature of the game, which is that if left unchecked, these kids will be more isolated, will be addicted in a very, very real, real way. And, and so just, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, so me, so my quitting it was like, uh, it was hard. It was very, you know, hitting, de- I didn't just stop. I deleted accounts so literally there's no twitter like all my twitter all my tweets gone all my facebook all my instagram photo gone and um and linkedin gone and so it was an interesting uh, experiment for me and i do not i'm not recommending it necessarily for anybody except for i kind of am because it was really liberating i tell you what i've been doing is i've been way more productive i've been writing songs again i'm working on a new book not having that stuff in my life uh, forget about just the time, which is definitely I have more time, but just not having it as a distraction, a mental distraction mm, has huge. really been interesting. Yeah, huge. Yeah. 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 And, and for me, like personally, I always have my, my, my phone on, on airplane mode, like all the time. Oh, and smart. I try to, to, to keep it like in another room. But still, I'm checking my phone like way too often. Way yeah. too often. And um, yeah. like I try to not respond to any phone calls. I try to respond not to respond to like any text messages unless they're like life and death urgent. So uh, because I know yeah, when I reply, there will come like another text like 10 yes. minutes later. So I yeah. just try to, to, to avoid replying. So but still, it's like they're like so highly addicting. And um, I think that a lot of people like just look outside and. Go go out on the streets and you see like everybody is like just oh, yeah. looking on their phone like all the time. It's, it's crazy. Like it's it's amazing. You know, I mean, I I talk about this a lot in terms of again this this my small steps approach, which is you know when you're standing in line for a coffee at Starbucks, that's a moment to take a few deep breaths. We don't mm-hmm. take that moment. We think, well, if I'm standing in Starbucks, I've got to be doing something. So we look down at our phone and we check the news, which is never good news, right? So we get a little, <laughs> we get, we get a little stress. We're on social media and we're looking at a photo of somebody doing something more fun than we're doing and we get stressed about that. But that's a moment. When you're standing in line at Starbucks, that could be five minutes. That's massive for you to take some deep breaths, for to mm. think about things. Um, I'm reading a book right now called Lead Yourself First. I don't know if you've heard of it, but um, he talks about the author talks about solitude, um, this idea of of how much um, how much well the idea of solitude that is, as they define it and I really like the definition which is free from inputs from other minds, meaning solitude you can be in solitude in a busy bus. It's just do you have something going in your head that is coming from someone else that goes for music that goes for podcasts that goes for conversations, mm-hmm. and it's it's just moments where you are disconnected. We don't have those moments anymore. And those are the moments where you ask yourself the questions, when you notice habits that you want to change, when you are able to make sense of things for yourself, we're able to process the stuff that you're learning or, or have coming into your head. We don't get those moments anymore. We don't take them. And I think that lack of solitude, that lack of contemplation, I think we're seeing the effects of that, which is that people are not getting healthier and happier. They're getting less healthy, less happy. And I think that's part of that, that model, which is to create quiet sometimes and that's and that can be in the line in line at starbucks three minutes of just to think just to be with yourself for three minutes that's it Sid, i'm so glad that you're bringing uh, that you're talking about all those things because um i also think that that if you are like busy all the time and like constantly checking social media and you won't have any good ideas when you are like working in a creative job or 
like if you are a writer, an entrepreneur, or something like that. Because um, yeah, like for me, like personally, I have the best ideas when I'm running and just totally disconnected. And um, yeah. Well, it's so funny you mention that because I, to me, running is the same thing for me. And I, when I trained for, I ran an, um, I run a few ultra marathons. When I was training for my first one. I decided in my training, I'd never run a distance, not nearly that long. I was training for a 50 miler and I decided just as an experiment that I would, when I was training, I wouldn't have any headphones on. I wouldn't mm. do any, no music, no podcast. Um, the reason is, is because, you know, I've got three kids and, and, and my wife and I are really busy and I thought, you know, there's times where I really wish I had alone time. Well, this is it. I'm getting up at five in the morning. I'm getting a run in before the kids wake up so I can be with them and my wife as most as I, you know, as much as possible. So I'm getting up this is the time I've actually, mm. I do actually have time for myself. So I thought, what's going to happen? Can I be with myself for two hours? You know, like I didn't know, can you, can you, can I just be with myself for two hours? And I got to tell you, it was not easy. I mean, it is, yeah. not, it, 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 and now like I'll drive to work and I always used to have something on music podcast, no matter what. Mm. Now I, on my way down to work, I have nothing on, I'm on purpose. It's 12, it's about a 14 minute drive. And I turn and it's complete silence in my car. And it, I swear it helps me sort of get my brain ready to walk in the day. And I, it has made a huge difference for me. Just that kind of thing. So you do you do business. You're a consultant. You do yeah, business yeah, consult. Yeah. So is this something in your practice? Do you work with clients on that level or are you more like, OK, I'm Not looking at your business. Yeah. OK, I just I, I just didn't know. Um, yeah, but 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 in terms of business, like. I think it's worthwhile in having coming up with ideas for your business, like having yeah. time to just not do anything. Right. Totally. Totally agreed. So uh, like for me, like personally, I always um, I'm like always listening to podcasts or watching videos while I'm eating. And I think it's like a terrible habit, like a yeah, yeah, terrible yeah. habit. Yeah. I always try to break it. I'm like, OK, I should just enjoy my meal and yeah. not listening to not listen to anything. But it's like really hard to quit. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, so, so here's, so here's what so, I would so, say. So, so, so oh, huge yeah, props that, that yet you can just, uh, drive your car and don't listen like to any music at all. So, <laughs> well, yeah, well, so, but you know, on the way home I do, but on the way in, uh, you know, that's my time. But so what I would say to you, um, if I were your, if I were your coach, I would say to the podcast and whatever you're listening to during dinner, still do that, but maybe just for the first five minutes, don't. You don't have to take it away. I think when people go, well, then I take it away. Like that's, that's, you don't have to do that all at once. Spend the first five minutes eating and noticing your food, enjoying your meal just for, and then turn it on. But that five minutes makes a difference. And I think people think I either can do, I either should do it or not do it. Small stepping. That's the thing. Like ease your way in so that you don't have this thing of like, well, now I, that's not as much fun. I took it all away all at once. Don't take it all away at all at once, but you can cut into it. I had a client one time who was came to me for nutrition stuff. She was having severe, you know, dietary problems and, and di digestive issues and, and all this kind of stuff. Well, her diet was actually pretty darn good. When I looked at it, she was on Facebook for five hours a day and she was, and she was fighting with people. Like it was that kind of like, you know, getting yeah. into it, you know, and it was that stress. <laughs> I said, I said, your diet's fine. You are you. And so one of the things we did is she set an alarm where every hour during the day she would get up and walk around her yard for five minutes every hour. And that made a big difference. It was just, I got, I said, you got, I'm not going to take Facebook away. That's your habit right now. We're going to ease out of it probably over time, but right now let's cut into it. Let's get you a few moments to 
to kind of take some deep breaths because, man, it's like debilitating. That stress is debilitating. And, and, and I also think that, for instance, when I'm picking up my phone and I'm checking it, I'm always like, okay, give, give me 10 seconds. Give me 20 seconds. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 50 minutes later, I'm like, fuck this. So I know. <laughs> isn't it isn't it how isn't it amazing how fast time flies you look at yeah. like a, you, you look at a youtube video and then eight youtube videos later you kind of <laughs> wake up and, and you just go holy crap what happened how did that happen you know and, and yeah. like your, kids, your, your kids have grown and gone to college you know and you're just like what a, and so it's fast it's like amazing how much that can suck your day i mean i think people say i'm so busy i have no time it's like you you absolutely have time like mm. i rarely come across somebody who does not have 10 15 minutes or more on a given day if you just cut into a little bit of your social media phone time. I mean, it would be amazing. You could write a novel oh. in 15 minutes a day. 15 minutes a day for a year, look what you can produce. But, you know, we we sort of, you know, we go, I don't have time. Well, you do. It's just a matter of knowing if, how to use it. If, if, you, if you know the novel The Martian, it also was a big movie with Matt Damon, I guess. Right, right, right. And um, the, the author of The Martian, um, he wrote it on his way to work. So, uh, yeah. No way. Is that true? Yeah, that's a yeah, great, yeah. great story. Like in a, in a subway or train or something. Yeah, subway. Yeah, yeah. he wrote oh, it man. on the subway on his way. Oh to my work. gosh! So, oh my gosh! I there totally, you go. I got, yeah, that, there you that's, go. That's exactly. I'm so glad you told me that. I'm going to talk about it in the podcast. I think that <laughs> I, I just think that's amazing. I had a client yeah. who. Yeah, I had a, I had one of my best. Like twenty clients. minutes add up. So uh, yeah, adds up. They compound. So not only does it add up, but it actually affects when you have something like that that you're working on. It actually affects your other habits. It really yeah. actually does. When I've worked with people, I've had this happen time and time again where they want to make a change in their diet. And I go, look, we'll talk about food later. Let's talk <laughs> about some. Let's talk about something in your life that you want to have passion about. When you're working on that, that changes your. That can change your food habits because yeah. you're happier. You're less stressed. You feel productive. Now you're not going to the junk food as a way to alleviate stress because you're less stressed. It's it, yeah. And then I later, then I go, okay, now let's tweak your diet. But first let's bring your life into, into sort of in line with what you want to do with your life. Let, and then we'll talk about dietary changes. People want to solve everything with a, you know, a diet plan. It doesn't work. But if you, if you actually try to do something like write a novel on the train in the morning, you can, it changes the way you live your life. It really, really does. Those, those, those times are amazing. That's such a great story. Thank you for telling me that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I don't know if you are using, you, are you using an iPhone or like, uh, yeah. Yeah. IPhone. Yeah. Yeah, iPhone, yeah, and they also had like a couple of weeks or months ago this update um where you could like block certain apps after a certain time, and um I'm all, all uh, I'm 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 also using it, but um I'm always cheating. So <laughs> well, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. <laughs> I'm so, always so, cheating. Always. Okay, so so here's what's so here's a this is a true story. So so I was working on my second book, right? So I'd already written a first book and that went pretty well and I got it done a little bit late to the to the publisher, but it was fine. But the second book comes around, I go, okay, same publisher and I start getting to work. And I find this is long before I quit social media. So yeah. I'm I'm writing and I, and let's I get like a good five minutes and I'm kind of rolling and all of a sudden I'd go check YouTube or I go check <laughs> Facebook. I go check and 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 I couldn't. I couldn't write for more than about five, 10 minutes tops. I told my wife at the time, I was like, I cannot focus. It's scaring me. I like, I felt like I was, I had lost the ability to continue. So there I am one day writing. And then of course I go to YouTube and just by chance in the, in the YouTube recommended feed is a Ted talk by Cal Newport, who I mentioned before mm -hmm. on that. He quit social media and about, and uh, on this deep work thing. And I thought, what's going on here? So I got his book, Deep Work, 
I swear, if I ever meet the guy, I'm going to tell him he saved that. He saved my book because I read that book while it was supposed to be writing mine, but it got me to, to, to be able to turn things off. So one of the things I got was this plugin on my, on my browser that again, from time, from this time to this time, all web, like all websites I was, you know, I put in YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. So I'd be called Turkey or what kind of app were you using? Um, I can't remember what it was called. Uh, it wasn't called cold Turkey. I don't remember the name of the plugin. Cold Turkey is like really popular. So, uh, okay. It was, it was, this is like two years, three years ago. Mm, and okay. it, I just can't remember. Okay. I can't remember it. But anyway, so I'd be writing, then I'd go to YouTube just without thinking. And this screen would come up and it would say, shouldn't you be working? And it, would, and, it, and, it would, and it would block YouTube. And it was like, yeah. that, thing sa- that thing saved me. I was like, oh, okay. And because otherwise, man, it's so easily, you can just mm. go over there, right? And it's yeah. like, too easy. It's too easy. And also, also, so like sometimes I'm checking the time, like how, how much I've used my phone during the day. And I'm like, one hour. What the fuck? Yes. One hour? I was just checking it like five, five times yeah. during the day. And I'm like, one hour is gone. Oh, like, yeah. Oh yeah, it's possible. Yeah, think about how much creative work can get done in an hour, you know. And yeah. it really does. It really does add up. And and it's and it's very real. It's very real to me. It is probably the most important focus in terms of health and happiness. Um, I would say probably even more than food right now. The, the ability of people to have their days sucked away from them um, mm. is is profound. And I think to to pay to to pay attention to that. And sort of take your life back a little bit. Not all, you know. I'm not saying everybody should quit social media, um, but to take your life back a little bit um, means that you'll sort of get, have your head on straight, and then you can make moves in in food and exercise and things like that. But this is a thing. Like it's a real. People are walking around with phones. They're hunched over, and it's a it's a it's a definitely thing. I've got kids, and yeah. they have screen. They have screens. And it is very limited and very, very monitored. And it's a little bit of a struggle and they have fun with it. But it's like, no, that's a fun thing. And now it's gone, you know, like, you. Mm-hmm. but man, kids are like walking around with phones all the time. It's crazy. Yeah, I've read recently that um, in the U.S., the average like phone time is per day, like something around like three hours and 30 minutes or something per day, per day. Yeah. What yeah, the and you, fuck? <laughs> oh, and then you and then you factor in video games on top of that, and it's like, yeah. holy shit! I mean, this is what yeah, happens. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's hours, hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so um, please speak about like how how you quit like social media. Like you said, the ter- first two weeks were like pretty hard. So, uh, yeah, it was it was I had seen. And it was funny because at the time that I quit social media, I had an I had an I have an assistant who it, it sounds fancier than it is, but she she just does some things for me. And and at the time, she was posting a lot of my stuff, mm. and so I wasn't even posting that much stuff. I would post on Instagram, but I really didn't do Facebook posts. I didn't do Twitter Twitter that much. In fact, I think I'd already quit Twitter, but I didn't do much on Instagram, uh, just a little bit. And mm. she was posting on Facebook and stuff, but I was checking it a lot, and I just noticed that I, I started reading up on sort of the corporate behavior of Facebook. I was reading, a, I was hearing more things about the way that they do data and the way that they do, you know, they're, they're cognizant, they're very aware of misinformation and they're sort of, they sort of have this thing of like, we're just the platform, but they're not, they're, they're involved in, they know how to get people to more on that in a second. because I have a sort of a, a theory about that, but um, <laughs> I, 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 I know, I noticed that it was it was a uh, it wasn't a time suck so much, but it was definitely an energy mental suck. It was it was not making my life better. 
And that, and it wasn't making me more productive. It wasn't like I was spending hours. I wasn't spending three hours a day, but it was, it was something that was taking up mental real estate and I didn't like it. And so I really took a good hard look at what purpose this was serving in my life. It's not, it wasn't social. I mean, it says it's called social media, but clearly it's not really social. <laughs> not um, at all. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, you know, all of a sudden I had friends who would, who used to email me and now they would message me on Facebook. It's like, just send me an email. Let's go at least let's, let's directly communicate here. It's just the weirdest thing that we can't, we have to go through Facebook then to, I just want to shoot me an email or call the, on the mm. phone, you know? And so I really took a good hard look and I thought, you know what? This stuff is not serving me. And I, I was very aware at the time that I'd take a hit professionally, um, which I have. And, um, you know, but, but again, my life is better for it. And this is the bigger picture of how people think about restriction. Um, you know, when I gave up, I, when I was gave up my, when I cured myself of asthma, um, I, I restricted my diet and people go, Oh God, and I, yeah, but my life got better. So yes, I restricted one area, but overall I'm, I was living better than I was before. So is it really restriction or is it just a choice I made to live better? And I sort of looked at Facebook that same way and, 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 and social media in general, which is if I restrict them, and in this case I completely quit them, but if I do that and restrict that in that one area, will my life get better? And I, I, it, it was a gamble, but I believed that it would and it did. And it, and it but it was just such a, it was hitting that delete. I remember just clicking. So Facebook's so great because when you delete your your um, account, they keep it. You can't delete it right then. You, it's impossible. You have to wait a month. Like you delete it, and then they then they will finally delete it in a month. I was like, can I just delete? And it just made it so much easier. I was like, thanks Facebook. You and made my and decision. and they make this on purpose, like one hundred percent. Of course, so it made my decision easier. I was like, you know what? You just made my decision easier because yeah. the fact that you behave that way is exactly why I am quitting mm -hmm. your company. Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 so, but I remember hit that delete button. You know, just like, and it was a way kind of nerve wracking. I was like, because you know, I've been on it for at that point like six years. You know, and all the posts and all the and it just wiped. You know, and Instagram wiped you know just gone and 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 then the first two weeks was a little like whoo, whoo, you know and and then all of a sudden it was like my life normalized i haven't I, I still see friends you know like i'm still in touch with people it's not like i lost touch with the people who i'm already you know in touch with in a real way and so it's yeah. fine like it's just yeah. been fine yeah. yeah and i think that like for me like personally is i think that um if you are creating content like go for it But if you're just consuming and you're just right. sitting on the sidelines, like, come on, that's right. <laughs> do and, you and, really need social media? So I don't know. Like, uh, and that's yeah. why I kept, I kept, I kept YouTube and it, you know, people criticize me a little bit because well, YouTube social media and you know, technically it is, I, I, to me, it was just a platform for me to post my work, my videos. I didn't go on YouTube and I've never commented on a video. Literally. Yeah. I, I, I came, I commented on one filmmaker's video, this guy who does these amazing films, um, named Bill Yang. And I think I said, great video once. Like I didn't, I don't get into comments. I don't do that thing. It's a place for me to place my work. Mm -hmm. But then, but then of course YouTube's, you know, doing their thing now. So that's why I'm on Vimeo. I want a place that that I can, you know, put my podcast out and place that I can put my videos out. What's um, the problem with YouTube? Uh, they've been violating child privacy laws. They have these. You speak to that. I, I haven't heard like anything well, about people, it. So. People should people should look. In fact, they just I just read um, a little bit of an article. I have to finish it about how Google, which owns YouTube, 
um, was doing something um, illegal or they're being accused of, of using child uh, children's data and, and like search histories and things like that. It's not a good thing. There's a great podcast. Um, it's called, well, the podcast is okay, but there's a great specific episode. It's called Making Sense with Sam Harris. I don't know if you've ever heard of that podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's episode 152. And I can't remember the guy's name, but he was at the very beginning of Facebook with working directly with Mark Zuckerberg. And y- people should listen to this podcast because he really goes deep into... Well, what episode? 150? 152. 152. And, yeah, I think it's called The Problem with Facebook or something like that. But anyway, it's episode 152 of the Making Sense podcast with Sam Harris. And I've really been sending that p- around. Um, I want people to understand it um, and 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 take and pay attention to it. Um, Samantha B uh, does has a, ch- a show, uh, Samantha B, and she did a, a little place bit on YouTube as well, showing how when people look for, um, you know, pictures of like sexy women, the 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 algorithm will move them progressively to younger and younger girls, and, 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 and yeah. And and th- and that the executives at YouTube were aware of it, and but said, "Listen, don't rock the boat." Like employees would come and say, "Listen, this is happening," and they kind of don't want to rock the because they know exactly what brings people more to YouTube. And so mm. um, I just started seeing I just started seeing um, rumblings of that. I wasn't happy with it. I've got kids, and I don't like. I just, you know, it's a it's a weird thing. Now, when I when I referenced earlier, that's a bigger picture. My bigger picture take on this, and this is what I talked about in one of my shows, which is. I think that we are at fault for this, and here's why: because we expect things for free, and so mm. when, we, when we when we expect things for free, and these companies need to make money, that's a recipe for disaster if they don't have any sort of ethical compass. If they go, listen, you want YouTube for free? Here's what's going to happen: we're going to do things to make sure you keep coming back, because the more you come back, the more advertising we can sell. Facebook, the same exact thing. Twitter, the same exact thing. If if we would as a culture and as a people say, listen, we're going to start paying for things, mm. but in exchange for me paying you, I want private. I want my data kept private. I don't want it shared and I don't want these crazy algorithms and I don't want on, per, uh, you know, intentional misinformation. I want transparency and an actual true platform. Then we would be able to make these demands, but we won't, mm. we don't want to, we don't want to pay for Facebook and then we get pissed that they're behaving badly. It's like, what do you expect? But, but I think, I think Sid, this is like, I totally agree, but um, I think it's a big ex- assumption to make that most people are like really interested in, in keeping their privacy because um, just look at the Facebook posts. Like people are posting like um, super super personal stuff like all the time every day. So uh, I think that a lot of people are not really thinking about um their privacy. So well, I think that thing. I think that what happens is is that people assume. That because it's on their page, mm. that it's not going that it's not going to go anywhere. And they go, yeah, because mm. I have my friends and 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 I post yeah. to them. And they, but they don't know that it's being cold and that data is being used. That that you know for advertising. You, yeah, you t- and you take an Uber and your map is then given to somebody else. It's it's actually happening in a weird in a weird way. And again, I, I again like I think people need to step up and and start paying for things. Start start to put their money into places that are, um, that are worth worthy and worthwhile, like into podcasts, like into, into, you know, I have, I have Patreon supporters that it's like, put your money into, into support the work. And if you want a platform Mm. like I, so when I launched, um, the recent, most recent group launch of my program, my small steppers program, I wanted to have a private chat room, a la like a Facebook discussion group, but I, but I'm not on Facebook. Right. So I found a company and I paid. What kind of company? 
called Z, uh, it's X, it's X, Y, it's like Z, Ziondo, X, Y, O, N, D, O or something. And it's a private chat room. I pay for it per year. It's co- completely locked for my members and it's not Facebook and I pay for it. And it's like, mm. no, that's fine. That's when that's a good deal. I pay you. I get the privacy in return. These people's chats are not going to go anywhere. They're not going to have their data mined. And if they do, then I'll, you know, then I'll have a, I'll have a problem with that. But that's the promise anyway. And, and so it was like, I'm looking for things that are, that I'll pay for. And if I can't mm. afford it, I won't do it. But if I can't afford it, it's like 55 bucks a year. It's not very much money, but so worth it for me not to have a Facebook chat room, you know, mm. not to be on Facebook. So the members are there, they're chatting with each other and it's safe and nothing's going to happen to their data. I think that the biggest problem is that, um, like all those big companies, they have like this huge, huge network effects and it's so hard to switch the the uh, like the platform because like all your friends are on Facebook and all right. your friends are, are, are on Instagram or on Twitter and it's yeah. so hard to switch because like yeah like why should you be using X or Y or Z when nobody's yeah. on the platform so uh, well I look I had I had you know I don't have a ton of subscribers on YouTube but I had you know 1600 um, I moved over to Vimeo I've got 34 subscribers I mean, yeah. I went from, I went from 16, go. I went from 16, you know, but, <laughs> but again, you know, that I, I don't know what to do about that. Like I, it, what's the, what's the, the other option what's is the alternative, like, yeah. what's the alternative, you know? And so I, I knew I take, I take a hit. So there's slow, people are slowly coming over and I took a hit and I knew it was going to take a hit, but again, you know, I have bigger, I have bigger, I have bigger concerns, you know, which yeah. is, do I feel good about posting things? Do I, do I want to support a company like YouTube? Cause I didn't make them a lot of money, but I made them some money. People are, you know, people were going there to see my videos and I, you know, I feel better not being on them right now. If they clean up their act, I'll go back. Yeah. And, and, and just imagine like how many hours you save not being on social media, like not hours. using social media for one year, you probably saved like 300 hours or something uh, like that. E- yeah. easily, easily, easily. And it, and it put me in a place of when I, and still when I would generally go to social media or something, um, and I don't have that, my brain now thinks, what could I be doing right now? I mean, that's the question I ask. And that's why I started playing music again. I hadn't really played music that seriously for a while since I moved where I, where I live now. I'm playing music again. I'm writing again. These are things that happened once I, once I quit social media. I had a new book idea come out. I wasn't planning on writing a new book. And all of a sudden, it was like, boom, I, I'm, attributing, <laughs> I'm attributing those things to having, again, more solitude, less inputs, and, and time with family. Like I'm spending real time with family. I'm not sitting around my kids on Facebook. I'm being with my kids and my wife. It's, that's real. That's real stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just I, the struggle about it is that, you know, when I announce that I have a new podcast up, I don't have anywhere to announce it. You know, and that, and that's a real thing. Like I don't have, I, I, I'm not, I would post a, you know, a Facebook post, you know, Instagram, new podcast episode up, you know, and I don't have that anymore. So but, my but, podcast, go ahead. Yeah. But, but, but I think um, you still can have a big brand, like um, not using social media at all. Just look at uh, what, what's his name? Alex Jones, like from InfoWars. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Um, yeah. He has like huge brand like I, i don't know he gets like a million clicks per month or 10 million or something oh, like, yeah, it's, no, it's not. crazy numbers so yeah and he was on i mean he i think he just i mean he was on social media for a long time yeah. i think he got, i think he got kicked okay. off facebook or something but yeah um he got but, kicked yeah. off from everywhere like yeah uh, did youtube it, yeah. yeah twitter everywhere right but he had already 
he used those yeah, things okay. to build his brand, you know. So okay, I, I, yeah. I, I, I was in a, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's not a bad example, but the the point is, is he's able to totally sustain without it. I just mm-hmm. never, I just never got to his level of popularity where I could afford not to have social media. I kind of can't afford not to have it, but I'm, but I don't have it at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I probably yeah. should have it. Probably, it'd be better for my career to still be on social media. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Um, but it's again like the what's the trade off, you know, for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So uh, could you please um, uh, speak a little bit about your program? Because I think that everybody would love to hear about it. Like, uh, yeah, so, so many people are interested in health. And we, we, we spoke a little bit about time management. So, yeah, could you please uh, sure that? It's a, it's a, it, when I wrote my first book, again, I spoke to this earlier in, in the, you know, when we were in this conversation. But yeah. the, frustra- the frustration early on of, you know, giving people, this is in the very beginning of being a nutritionist, handing somebody the, you know, the recommendations. Here you go. You told me what you wanted and you wanted to lose weight or you felt like you were going to be, you know, you're almost, you know, pre-diabetic or whatever. Okay, here's my, here's my recommendations. And mm. then they, would, they wouldn't follow them after about a month. So that was when I thought, what's, what's going on here? This isn't good. Like I'm giving recommendations that are good. I still stand by them, but nobody's following them. That's not going to help anybody. So very quickly, I realized this is a bigger picture than food. This is about behavior and about understanding what your real goals are and all these kinds of things. So that's when I brought my philosophy training into the big picture and, and really started to think about this stuff and thought, okay, um, what are we talking about here? We're talking about stress management. We're talking about time management. We're talking about understanding your own stress levels and what you're able to take on at any given time so that you avoid burning out, so that you don't Mm. become overwhelmed. Not doing too little because then you're stagnant, but not doing too much so you don't overwhelm. And it was that sweet spot. Then I was able to broaden my approach with people and say, okay, we're not going to talk about food right now. That's why you, that's what you want to talk about. We're not going to talk about that right now. We're going to talk about the other areas of your life, exercise, journaling, meditation, creative, healthy habits, how to incorporate. So that began my small steps approach, which is to ask somebody, what are you able to take on that's going to keep you in an adaptive stress state? Not too much stress, not too little stress to train people how to manage themselves to, to, Build healthy habits in a way that is long-lasting and forever instead of 21-day diet, burnout, 21-day fitness plan, right? I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to get a trainer and go to the gym. Two months later, and you're not everybody doing it. is encouraging that. Everybody is encouraging the the quick hacks, the, the quick five-step yep. formula to success. Right. And, and what uh, happens? You, you know, you go on a diet. Uh, you, you lose weight very fast. You go to work. What does everybody do? Yeah. My God, you look fantastic. It's amazing. And then, <laughs> and then, and then almost hundred percent of diets fail. And what happens is, is not only do you gain the weight back, sometimes you gain even more. Excellent. Right. Yeah. But Extra then, but, yeah. but then, but then worse than that for me is that you feel like a failure. You feel like, well, I failed. And you didn't fail. You just did not partake in a model that was built for success. You partook in a model that was there to get you as fast a weight loss as possible, but not to show you how to keep the weight off. So people never have I worked with somebody who wants to lose 20 pounds and then gain it back. They want to lose 20 pounds and keep it off. They think a diet's promising that, but it's not. It's promising 20 pounds, but it's not promising the tools to continue to live well. That's where I wanted my focus to be. I wanted my focus to be like, let's set you up for long-term change. So that was a big part of my both my books, but that's when I launched Small Steppers, which is a 12-week program teaching people my system, how to use 
to be a small stepper. The, the most common misunderstanding about what I do is people think, oh, okay, so you just tell somebody to do, you know, you break it down into two minute increments. I go, no, no, no. I want somebody to ask the question, what am I able to take on? Because for some mm-hmm. people, a small step for some people is really big compared to for other people. So in other words, yeah, you, if you came to me and you said, I have, I just got diagnosed with cancer, um, and, and, and you're freaking out your small step in the diet world may be to change your diet completely today. That may be your small step. Like you literally change your diet mm-hmm. overnight and that's your small step. Why? Because it's not over. You're not going to get overwhelmed. You're ready for that. I need people to know what they're ready for. That's what I want to do. I don't want somebody to ask me, how much should I do, Sid? I go, no, I'm not going to tell you what your step is. I want you to ask the question, what am I able to take on that I can And I think you, you, it's really hard to know like, um, how much they are like, willing to participate in or like, how, how much actions they, they are able to take. So, uh, so, you so, as here, a coach. so here's, the ch- here's the challenge, right? So they start with something that is ridic for them ridiculously small like if something mm. i'll use med i'll use meditation as a, as an example let's say some let's say hardy you read a book and, and it says 45 minutes of meditation uh is shown to reduce stress by 72 percent, whatever and you go okay sid i'm going to start meditating well for most people if they start meditating 45 minutes per day there's a good chance that they're going to burn out it's going to be pretty miserable yeah. they don't really know how to do it okay so i would say to you hardy hold on wait wait on the 45 minutes for now Start with one deep breath per day, one deep breath per day. That's going to be your meditation. One deep breath per day. You go, well, that's ridiculous. That's not going to do anything. I read that 45 minutes is what. Come I, on. Yeah. And I say, I say, and I say, we're not there yet. We're not at the 45 minutes yet. We're not at the stress reduction yet. We're at the habit forming stage, meaning start with one deep breath. Now, a couple days later, you go one deep breath. That's like soup. That's like so easy. It's ridiculous. Okay. Then for you, one deep breath is too small, right? Too little. So you go from one deep breath two days later to a five minute meditation. And that's where you go, okay, that is my small, that works for me. Five minutes I can do, I don't dread it, I'm not burning out, it's cool. And then you begin meditating pretty much every day. A few weeks goes by, five minutes goes to 10 minutes, five minutes goes to seven minutes, I don't know, and you build. And over six months, you eventually get to where you're 45 minutes, but it didn't happen overnight. You built into it, you found a practice, you were able to do the things like adjusting your schedule over time. You set up a little meditation area and you're, you know, all these little changes all of a sudden within six months, you're now meditating 45 minutes a day. You're not going to burn out. You got there and you're then going to get the benefit of meditation. You're not going to get the benefit of meditation. If you benefit, if you do 45 minutes a day and burn out after seven days and never meditate again. Right. Yeah. So, so that's, it's helping people find if they feel like they're doing too little, they bring it up. If they feel like they're doing too much, let's say you start out with one deep breath. That's crazy. Sid, I'm going to start with 15 minutes. Well, in a few days you might go, oops, too much. Let me bring it back down to five minutes. And it's how, finding that little sweet spot. That's what I'm training people to do. I don't mm. tell people what their step is. I want them to figure out how to go a little more, a little less, and always move along the way. And then they yeah. be able to build in whatever habit they want. Yeah, and I think um, the biggest trap is because like people are so, so mo- motivated at the start. And they set those big, audacious goals. And um, yeah, I'm going to exercise every day for three hours. And I'm I'm going to completely change my diet. And um, yeah, they can maybe do it for a couple of days. But um, it's hard to sustain it. So uh, yeah. 
it's hard to sustain because to me that it's the thinking has to come first before the action. Mm -hmm. You've got to understand your actual goal, which isn't to, let's say in, in the weight loss, your actual goal isn't to lose weight. Your goal is to reach a healthy weight and keep and stay there. It's your goal isn't just to lose the weight. It's to stay at a healthy weight. Your goal isn't to become fit and then be out of shape. It's to stay fit, right? Your goal isn't to meditate for seven days and then stop meditating. Your goal is to build in a meditation practice for however long you want. When you, when you really get clear on your actual goals, then you'll never do a quick fix because you'll never, you, you, that won't get you the goal. You'll, you'll do the, the work of actually establishing the habit when you are actually clear about what you really, really want. Um, but people, you know, they see that person at work who lost all that weight and man, it is so tempting to be, what'd you do? You followed that mm. diet. Oh, I'm going to do that too. Yeah. And, that's what, and they go from diet to diet to diet. Mm, yeah. Like looking, I think, I think, um, that the patient's part is, is like really, really important. Like you said, like small, small steps and it really adds up. Like, um, I think that people can actually start just by uh, changing their breakfast and they will lose weight. So that's it, 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 you're 100 percent right. And this is the thing is it that where the patients things comes in is, again, where people misunderstand my approach. They think, well, you have to start so small. It's no I know you, I go. No, you don't. You can you can have a pretty big step that for you is a small step. The small step mm. for me is a mindset. It's not the size of the step. It's a mindset. So if people are like feeling like it's not happening fast enough. I go I go increase your step. A lot, like in, mm. in, increase it a ton, but you know, when you understand the system, if you've all of a sudden taken on too much, you, you can tell if you're heading for burnout because you start to dread it. You start to not like it. You start to skip a few days. All of a sudden you're like, oh, it's been a week. I haven't done it. A small stepper goes, oops, okay, that's too much. I'm going to bring mm. it back down. Whereas most people sort of quit. They just never come back to it. You know, they burn out from too much meditation or whatever, and then they never come back to it. So my model is about what actually creates change, which is sticking with some, something long-term enough. Mm, yeah, and I also think that, like, uh, for instance, the, the fitness community, they are portraying this picture that you need to sacrifice all the time and you need to struggle and you need to work hard. And it's so hard to have a great physique. And I think it's like the biggest lie out there. Like, for instance, um, I don't want to sound like a douche, but... Um, I I have I'm super super lean by any standards and it doesn't I I can eat a pizza here and there I can enjoy my life I don't need to count calories or something right. like that um, it's like the biggest misconception out there that if you want to be in great shape um, that you that you that you uh, must uh, like make make this your your whole life this whole like yeah. fitness thing and dieting and I think it's a total lie it's a People have this t t totally wrong misconception about fitness and yeah, having a great physique. It doesn't. I'm working out like three. I'm exercising three or four times a week or with lifting yeah. weights three or four times a week. So, um, and I know plenty of people who are, aren't putting a lot of time in the gym and they're still looking great. So uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's a big misconception that people have. I agree. And I think, you know, carrying around Fitbits and having data on all, everything that you're doing and having exactly which, how many calories, yeah, you know, stressing I, it's, out it's, all the it's crazy. Time. I mean, you know, we're doing data. We have Google docs with our, with our calories and our intake <laughs> and our fitness and our heart rate and our, you know, look, if you're a professional athlete and you're, you know, trying yeah. to win ultra marathons, fine, you're going to do heart rate monitoring. You're going to do on that level. But for most people just day to day, it's, it's not only not necessary, it's actually 
stressful. It's actually damaging, I think, to the to the mind and the body to be that hardcore stressed about stuff um, on that level when it doesn't need to be that complicated. It really doesn't, as you know. Yeah, but 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 don't you think that most people have this mi misconception of it needs like so much time and how? Oh yeah. And, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, people come to me and they have been counting calories. They've been measuring and weighing yeah. things. And when I say, okay, we're going to dispense of that, like it's not necessary. It's actually not necessary. Um, and again, like it's not even not necessary. But do you really want to live that way? Nobody wants to live that way. Nobody. They think they have to. Like as you said, it's a misconception. It's a misunderstanding. They're led to believe that you have to do that to be healthy. You have to pay attention on that level. And you don't. And it's and it's really hard when people do that because I don't think they're happy for it. You know, when they have to micromanage their diet, for instance, so much, it's like it's miserable. Who wants to live yeah. that way? And it does, doesn't sound healthy to me. So. Uh, to me, to me, <laughs> me, me, not when you think about mental health. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't not help. It's, it doesn't seem healthy to me either. Yeah, stressing yeah. about calories all the time. Oh and my what should I be eating all the yeah. time? Like, oh, yeah. I want my diet to be on autopilot. I don't yeah, want yeah. to think about it at all. So that's I'm the I'm the same way. And I sort of got to a framework where I generally uh, what I tell people is I don't I'm a nutritionist and I don't think about food day to day. I really don't. My wife and I don't we don't measure count away anything. The kids I don't want them to grow up thinking they need to do that stuff. I don't want them having food issues. You know, we eat till we're full, but we're eating food that's healthy most of the time. Then we go out and do something a little less than healthy. Who cares? Because we're eating well most of the time. We move our bodies most of the time. We don't stress out about missing a day here and there. And yeah. and it's and it's fine. You know, it just doesn't have to be that that crazy. Yeah, and I think um, this makes it like way more enjoyable. And um, it sounds to me like your lifestyle sounds sounds like something you can do for five years, ten years, twenty years, and so on and so forth. And like most approaches are like really short term, like you've said, that just like get lean in 30 days. But um, what then? So yeah, what's on day 31? Yeah, and I I really yeah yeah it's like you do a 21 day diet and you've got the recipes and you've got the shopping list and you're doing the following the plan and then the diet ends and it's like did you learn anything? Like really? Mm -hmm. Um, and I and I really want people to dispense of that stuff and and make the changes as fast as as possible for the goal of keeping those changes around. If you understand that you want them to be long-term, people will manage themselves pretty well. Um, if they realize they want to not only lose the weight but keep the weight off, they'll do things very differently. They won't go to a diet in general because they'll realize a diet's not going to give them what they really want, which is the tools to continue. So they'll say, to, okay, I'm not going to do it. Let me, let me start this as a habit-forming kind of thing. Okay, now I can sort of begin and, and do it right. I, I've asked people before, like, if you don't run – And you're a runner, so you can. But yeah. but pretend that you don't run at all, and you want to train for a marathon starting today. And you and you've never run. How long would it? How long would you take to train for a marathon? If you wanted to today start training for a marathon, no fitness at all, from from couch to a yeah. marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long? Six Just months, I guess. Good. Guess. Six, six months to a year, let's say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's reasonable because you understand that you can't go off your couch right now and run 15 miles, right? <laughs> so, so, yeah. so people sort of, un they, they get it, but then when it comes to food, they do the exact, like, so in other words, the marathon is the analogy is like eating a healthy diet. You can't get off your couch and do that necessarily on day one. As a runner, if you've never run before, you get off your couch, your first run might be a tenth of a mile. But you understand that because you see the long view. You know that you're taking time with this. 
I apply that same thinking to, to diet and to fitness and to creativity and to journaling and meditation or whatever else. If you see the long view, you're not going to jump off the couch and go try to run 15 miles. You're going to jump off the couch and do a little bit and know that you're in it for the long term. Mm-hmm. We've got to wrap our heads around that if we want to actually create a better life for ourselves. But, but Sid, uh, to be honest, I have sympathy and uh, for all those people who are looking for shortcuts and Me too. Well, like, like trying to lose weight quickly because I've been there and so I've done all those mistakes like 1,000 so times and so going back and forth and dieting, getting super ripped and then yep. like a couple of months later, like Oh, yeah. weeks later. <laughs> oh, no, I, I've, been, I've, I've been there, too. And I want everybody to know, like, that's why I do what I do, because I actually have been there. And I actually do have struggles with food and all these kinds of things. That's very real. But I'll ask you, why do people want those quick fixes? What are they really after? What do you think? Mm. Are they after 20 pounds? Are they after when somebody joins a diet Man. to lose 20 pounds? What do you think they really want? Do they want? Is it really about the 20 pounds or what is it for you? What do you mm-hmm. think about status? status and um, i think it goes even what but even beyond status what is it uh, what do they want approval beyond even that what are they look what are they actually looking for when they do a diet or they do good about themselves that's right they want to be happy mm-hmm. they want to be happy so if you understand that it's not really about the weight but you want to feel good in your life mm-hmm. then you'll start acting that's like profound. an that's yes. profound yeah then you're going to start acting like an adult about it you're not going to mm-hmm. go it's about the 20 pounds it's not about the stupid scale you want to live a good life so if you want to live a good life you better work your ass off to actually get the good life because it ain't going to come from a 21 day diet and so it ain't going to come from, it ain't going to come from top 10 lists on the internet it's going to come from actual thinking and actual work as an adult to set yourself up for long term change and so that's that you people have to ask that question you will never ask that question if you have a phone in your hand and you're looking at social media all day that's that's mm-hmm. where solitude comes in you ask the questions when you have moments of silence to shut the world out for five freaking seconds and ask that question that's when you get the answers and that's when you'll stop getting distracted by stupid quick fix models or some internet article that tells you you got to eat the keto diet or some crazy shit it is being <laughs> it's being it's being serious and actually looking into the real work of so, this so of so 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 please unpack this the, the the keto thing here because um i'm also not a fan of keto but um there's like a a huge internet trend out there and like so so many people are talking about keto 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 oh, yeah. everything's keto so uh <laughs> yeah. speak to that yeah keto keto is amazing unless you want to be healthy that's the only that's my only yeah i got you right when you're drinking a glass of water nice perfect <laughs> Um, yeah, it's an excellent diet. <laughs> it's excellent diet in, in, except if you want to be healthy. Other than that, everybody should do that. So if you ever hear somebody talk about keto, what they're going to say is, well, I've, you know, once I started on the keto diet, I've been running a lot better. I've been running yeah. faster. Look, there are people I'm winning. Feeling great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So a couple things. Um, it is, first of all, for lots of people that go on the keto diet or any diet for that matter, <laughs> short term, they're going to, they're, they're going to feel better. Because if you notice what's happening, 
They're paying attention to food in a way that they weren't paying attention to before. For many people, the keto diet is a healthier diet than what they were on. Mm, For people the eating that American diet, yeah. Exactly. So it's a move. They're like, well, look at me. My numbers are better. I'm like, absolutely. Paleo <laughs> diet. It's like, there's a lot that the paleo diet gets completely right. Um, and, and, you're, and you're paying attention to food all of a sudden. Before you were sort of going to the Starbucks and having a, you know, whatever chocolate it's on, not really paying attention. Ben and Jerry's all, every day. That, yeah. That's right. So all of a sudden, now you're paying attention and you go, look at that. That's amazing. So yeah, it's a step in the right direction for many people. It's just not the final step. There's way more to go. The keto ketogenesis in the human body is a state of starvation. It is a state of stress for the body. Mm -hmm. It is it carb. See, people understand that that there's three types of calories: protein, fat, and carbohydrate. The brain is fueled off only one of those, and that is carbohydrate. The brain runs off sugar. So how is it that carbohydrates are somehow now a bad thing for you when your brain runs off that? So what the ketogenic diet does, and in some way the paleo, definitely the Atkins is sort of the same. And it, look, this stuff makes money because people, they get to yeah. hear what they want. They get to hear what they want to hear. And that's, and that's fine. I don't want to make money from it. So, and and also, also like, uh, people are like always praising keto. And then, um, at the end of the conversations, they are like, Oh, by the way, I have this one keto supplement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I made a I made a, a pact, a, a promise to myself when I started as a nutritionist that I do not sell anything uh, nutritional. Yeah. Nothing. No powders. No pills. No interest there. Yeah. I don't. I don't do it. I mean, I have friends who do, and I know what they do, and I recommend their products. I don't even have an affiliate with them. I literally am not connected financially to any product at all. Nice. When it comes to, when, yeah, when it comes to the keto. Um, You know, you're putting your body in essentially a starvation mode. And when it does, when it's low or absent of carbohydrates, it converts fat to ketone bodies to guess what? Fuel the brain because it, it, mm -hmm. the body needs the. So that's what people love. They love that it's burning fat. They love it when they're endurance athletes that's to become more fat adaptive and their body's using fat. I do too. I'm an ultra runner. I like that my body uses fat too in the way that I train. And yet I'm an on an extremely high carbohydrate diet. And not overweight. I'm lean and I'm in good shape. I'm 50 and I'm doing fine. Yeah, the and you did the, like 50 mile ultra marathon. So. That's right. And I've done yeah. you know, that's 750 Ks. You know, it, 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 again, I'm not a pro runner. I'm a mid yeah. to back to the pack runner. But I but way better than most. Yeah. Well, and also I have no aches and pains. I'm not in any painkillers. I, I, I do weight training. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm building muscle mass. It's like ridiculous. But, But the keto diet is stressful. It is very unhealthy. It's not a long-term solution in terms of human health. It just is not. And, and, and I don't know what to do about that other than keep you know, saying that word on that. Um, we do extremely well. Our human bodies are very designed for fiber. Fiber feeds the good gut bacteria. The, in our in our guts, in our colons, the bacteria there is fed on fiber. Well, the ketogenic diet, guess what it has zero of? Fiber. It's not no fiber. So you're you're gonna be fat adaptive because your body is gonna need that fat to fuel your brain when it's starving, but it really does want carbohydrates. It wants that's what it's actually craving. And by carbohydrates, I don't mean refined added sugar. I mean whole carbohydrates, fruits and vegetable carbohydrates, and beans, nuts and whole grains, that carbohydrate. And said, I, I don't want to play like devil's advocate here, but um, if you're looking like at all those guys that are like praising keto, like most of them are like totally out of shape and they they couldn't like win a, uh, run a 5K in like 20 minutes or anything at all. They have no fitness and that doesn't make them bad people. That doesn't yeah, yeah. make them bad people. But um, 
I'm just questioning that the information here. So <laughs> well, 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 I am too. And and the, the problem is the language is very tricky, which is that people go, well, look at the pro athletes, you know, who are who are on keto diet and they're they're winning races. But again, my question isn't about as a practitioner and as a health coach. Do you really think that somebody can really win anything on like low carbohydrates? I think this I, is a lie. I, 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 well, in the, it, no, they can. In the, in, in really? the ultra, oh yeah, in the ultra marathon world, there's been people, you know, incredible runners who are who are basically on the keto diet, high fat adaptive diet. And they're eating, you know, a lot of meat and 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 basically a lot of oil and just kind of that whole thing, and they're winning races. Right. My question, yeah, my question. But listen to the language there because that doesn't mean they're healthy. And this is where it gets into a – see, when you ever hear somebody say, well, look, that person's on keto and they're winning that race. It's like, yeah, but are they going to be doing this five to ten years from now? Mm. How are they going to be in ten years? They will not be able to sustain that. Diet will kill you. They cannot sustain it because the body is not adapted ultimately to that level of animal product. It just can't do it. Or, or refined plants, by the way, like added sugar or oil or protein powders for that matter. Mm. It's not adapted. It needs fiber to, to be healthy. And so it's a, it, the conversation, it sounds tricky. Somebody goes, but look at them. They're in amazing shape and they're on the keto diet. I go, yes, but are they healthy? Because they look good, they're fit, they're winning a race. What's going to happen five years from now? What's going to happen ten years from now? Is it a sustainable diet long term? And I don't, I don't think the answer is and, yes and, at all. And so, so many people that are also uh, proponents of ketogenic diet, they're like always like bashing carbohydrates. Yeah. But um, like like after a couple of days, most of them binge on carbohydrates and go like crazy and yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, I totally cheating on their diet. So, uh, well, that that I mean, that's a, and that's a, like a separate thing too, you know. But but for me, just simply simple nutrition, like actual. And the, and the thing that astounds me is that how many nutrition experts out there who are talking about the keto diet actually have no nutrition training for crying out loud. I mean, the paleo diet. And, and was by the so way, disclaimer. Disclaimer to everybody who's listening to this: like, I'm not the expert here, so uh, please listen, listen to Sid here. So, <laughs> yeah, but, but you haven't advised anybody on diet, you know? Yeah. Like, you're just you just think it's crazy. Look, people can read; they can, you know, everybody, people who aren't nutritionists read all the time about nutrition. But it's amazing how very uninformed most people are about nutrition. When somebody comes to me and goes, "Protein this, protein that, protein this," and I, you know, sometimes I go, "Are you studied in it? Like, have you read it? Not not if you're a nutritionist, but have you are you actually informed?" Where did you get your information? I really want to know that. A friend of mine, uh, this guy named Garth Davis, wrote a book called Proteinaholic. And he's one of the most informed people probably in the nutrition field, in my opinion. Super informed on every research study, but also the funding of every research study. He goes very deep into each study, how it's crafted, who's funding it. He knows what's on that level. And he went literally, he's, not, he's a medical doctor. He's an MD in, out of Houston. He His first book was on high protein diets, how good they were. And I asked him, he, I had him on my podcast, my old show. And I said, he said, that was the only thing I, I, he wrote about in that first book that wasn't supported with research was that you should eat a high protein diet. When he started doing the research and actually getting deep into the research, his next book is called, was the bestseller proteinaholic about how high protein diets are actually damaging. He literally went a 180 in his approach when he actually did the study. But I asked him, I said, well, where did that come from in that first book? He said, it's just what it was. He goes, I don't even, I, I couldn't cite any research because I never read any research. It's just the, everyone talked about it as if it was a fact, but it wasn't supported by any science. And it, and, and he, and he completely shifted his view on that. Mm, yeah. And I think, um, 
like like I think um, this black and white thinking is what everybody wants to hear. Like, oh, sure. this is bad, and this is good, and uh, yeah. good, and this is bad, and you shouldn't eat this, but eat that. I think everybody is looking for for those uh, like black and white thinking kind of approaches. So, uh, well, and I think you know it doesn't mean that there are foods that are bad. I mean, look, there are foods that are bad for every human being. I'm just bad. I mean, added white sugar is bad for every human being. It's just not a healthy food, period. Yeah. Does that mean, does that mean if you eat a little white sugar, you cannot be healthy? Of course not. Of mm. course not. Like you can, you know what I mean? So the yeah. black and white, like there are foods that are definitely healthy for people and foods that are definitely not healthy for people. But the fact of the matter is if you don't watch your overall stress in your life, you're going to be sick that regardless mm. of in a way your diet can be pretty darn good. But if you're overstressed, to the point of acute stress day to day, you're going to suffer your health. I don't care how good your diet is. You're going to suffer. So to me, you're still eye on the ball is, can you maintain overall stress? That means that. Well, if yeah. You, what do you mean by that? Well, that means that day to day, if you're easing into certain behaviors like journaling or meditation and healthy diet and exercise in ways that maintain you from getting burnt out, you're going to be way healthier than if you just focus on food, try to eat the perfect diet all the time, get super stressed about it like we mm -hmm. talked about, and then don't pay attention to any other parts of your lives, like your work and your family, all the stuff that really matters because you have spent so much time on food. You're not going to be a healthy person. Mm -hmm. I don't care how good your diet is. Your, your, your health will suffer because you're only thinking about one thing and not considering your overall stress. Stress is what's killing human beings. And if we look at stress as the big picture and say, okay, well, underneath that umbrella of stress is diet, exercise, and all the other things that I've mentioned, then you maintained all of those things together in a way that keeps your stress down, not just doing, focusing on one thing. And I, th and I think that's the struggle. How do you get people to stop thinking about food so damn much? It's what everybody thinks about mm. so much that I think the stress is killing them on it. Totally, totally. And that's super unhealthy, in my opinion. Like, I, I don't, I, like I've said in, in, in the beginning of our conversations, like, I think that if you're always thinking about your diet, um, it's like, you, you, I think you're going to fail. Like, if you're counting the days, or if you're like always thinking about it, like, oh, yeah, when I'm off this diet, like, I think eventually you will end up like at the shiny, uh, all you can eat by face. So, uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. So, uh, what would you tell our listeners to, so to everybody who's listening to this and who might, Or who has the opinion that keto, a ketogenic diet is the right approach. So uh, even after hearing you speak about it. So, uh, yeah, what would you tell them at, at this point in our conversation? I guess the first thing I would do is is get get informed. Um, mm. Either see somebody who is actually studied in nutrition. That's not going to be a medical doctor, and that's not a criticism, but they don't learn about nutrition in medical school. It's not a criticism. It's not their job. I didn't learn about medicine. When I went to school to become a nutritionist, I didn't learn about medications and, and, and surgery. I don't know that stuff, so I don't talk about it. Um, a medical doctor is not trained in nutrition. Now, he or she may learn about nutrition after, like Garth Davis did, and that's fine. But make sure that that person that you're talking to is actually informed about nutrition. Don't go to a mm -hmm. practitioner who is not trained in the thing that you want to be trained in. That That's period. Mm -hmm. Secondly, if you want to get informed yourself – Don't go to the internet to some random freaking, you know, site 
Start looking at this. If you want to look and in, get informed, start looking at the studies. Read that book, Proteinaholic. Go to nutritionfacts.org. That guy, Michael Greger, I've met him a few times. I'm not friends with him, but he's looking at the actual studies. Start to become actually informed about what, what you really want to know. And if you just care about winning a race tomorrow, the ketogenic diet might be the best game in town for you. That might do it because mm-hmm. you can you can eat your bacon and win your race. So first I would say is, Ask your question, which is what you, what are you really looking for? If you're a pro athlete that just wants to win a race that again, that might be your deal. If you're looking for winning a race and staying healthy as long as possible, it's going to, you're going to have a wake up call. Start looking at the actual science that is out there about this and then really get informed in a real, real way. Don't, don't go because it's a trend and everyone's going ape shit about the paleo diet. Uh, it's, you know, be, get smart about it. The paleo diet is so insane it's not even the actual diet of the Paleolithic era, which wasn't one diet. We it would change because guess what? You ate where you ate what was around you, like every wild animal still does. So it, was, it wasn't like we were all living in one place. If there's a, we can bring a little more intelligence and a little more common sense to this, and say that if you were in a place where there was a lot of plants around, fruit you'd, you'd eat those because it takes less effort. If you were moved up to an area that had less plants, you would kill an animal and eat that. It's, it's, it's actually not that complicated, but this whole idea of paleo, paleo diet, people going to, to the market and buying beef in a cellophane, that's not what the cave people did. They didn't go but to a market. <laughs> they were outside moving their bodies, hunting, moving around, being outside in the sun. They were doing it. It was a different life. You can't apply mm. that kind of thinking to, to the modern world where you can sit on your couch and order food delivered it's it's a it's a totally re- ridiculous thing i think we i think there's a lot of room for more common sense in the diet world so, I'll, I'll just say that <laughs> so uh, i i want to make another disclaimer here i think um that of course there are obvious exceptions here and there and i think that some people might be a benefit from a ketogenic approach but i'm not the expert here but um, yeah, maybe you could also well, speak to that. I would, I would. Well, there's some, there's some studies showing like short-term ketogenic diet having this positive effects on things like epilepsy, let's say. Mm. So I'm not going to say that the ketogenic diet has no ap- application in in any model whatsoever mm. in the short term. I'm not going to say that. I am going to say that as a step along the way, it can potentially work for some people, but it is, has to be a step along the way. It is not the end game. If your diet is the ketogenic diet to stay, you're going to run into trouble. There's a, a very, very high certainty that that's going to happen. If it is a step along the way and it's moving you from processed, refined foods, mm-hmm. uh, added sugar, protein powders, olive oil, things like that, then then I think it's fantastic. If it's a move in the direction, if it's a move in the direction, but man, if it's if it's your stay, your go to because it's because you're, you're losing fat on it, um, then you then I think you're not paying attention to the real focus of losing weight, which is it should be a side effect of health. There's, yeah. it's very easy. It's very easy to lose weight. There's lots of different ways to lose weight, but there's not a lot of different ways to be healthy. And when you're healthy and that's your, that's your goal, you'll be at a healthy weight. If you're healthy, you will be at a healthy weight. That that's a side mm. effect of health. Um, if you make weight, your only goal, sure. Ketogenic diet, do it. You, if you, if you just care about losing weight, do it. If you just care about winning the race, do it. But if you care about health, it's going to change the game. So uh, um, you have to 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 speak about protein powder. So uh, what are your thoughts on protein powder? So uh, yeah. I think it's I think it's junk food. <laughs> really? Yeah, really. I think, I think it's junk food. Please yeah. speak well, to that. Unpack well, okay, that for well, us. Okay. So tell me, you, do you think that um, white sugar is junk food? Probably. Yeah. Okay. Good. Why? Um, 
I don't know. Like it has no real like uh, micros, right? It doesn't have like vitamins or anything like that. Very, very good. Perfect answer. The definition that what makes food healthy is not that it has carbohydrate, protein, or fat in it. What makes food healthy is the micronutrients that come with those calories. Like you said, vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants. I throw fiber in there because it's not a technical micronutrient, but it's part of the package of healthy food. Okay. Mm. So if white sugar is unhealthy because it doesn't have nutrition with it, then and, and, and when I ask people, when I'm teaching them or giving talks, when I say, tell me an example of an empty calorie, every single one of them, 100% of people have sugar. so far said, that's right, they say sugar. But I didn't say empty carbohydrate, I said empty calorie, which means it can apply to carbohydrate in the case of sugar. It can apply uh, to I fat. Where you are going with this. Okay, so an empty fat calorie is oil because it's extracted out of the food, just like white sugar is, is extracted mm. out of something whole. And protein's the same thing. When you have a soybean that has a lot of nutrition in it, a lot of micronutrients in it, and you extract the pow- the protein out of it, you now have a junk food in the way that you have white sugar being a junk food or oil being a junk food. You have now an empty protein calorie. I'm not opposed to protein. Everybody obviously needs protein. This is not mm. a this is not a statement of protein. This is a statement of where is the protein coming from. When mm. you get protein out of spinach, that's a very different protein than you're getting out of a protein powder. The spinach has not only the protein, but it's got carbohydrate and fat and a whole bunch of micronutrients. When you extract the protein out of a soybean and make soy protein isolate or whey protein or pea protein or brown rice protein, you're extracting it and now it is a junk food. You lost to the nutrition that came with that protein. You put that in the trash and you've created a protein powder. That's so, that's- so, so could you also speak to oils because – um yeah. It's the, si- it's, the, it's the same thing. So when you have an olive or you have an avocado or an almond or a flax seed or a hemp seed, all these things we make oil out of. Well, the way we make oil is we extract the fat out of something. We had an olive that had nutrition in it. We have a cashew that had nutrition in it. We had an almond. We had an avocado, all the things I listed. We had flaxseed. It has a ton of nutrition. When we extract just the fat out of it, and it creates something that is 100% fat. Every oil is 100% fat. Some oils are unsaturated versus coconut oil, which is medium chain, whatever. But they're 100% fat. When you do that, you lose almost entirely the actual nutrient value of the food that it came from. Not, not entirely. Olive oil has some micronutrition in it, but I mean so scant that it's like it's almost not worth talking about. Whereas the olive has a lot of nutrition in it or the avocado has a lot of when you have an avocado you have you have all these things in it it's amazing it fuels your body but it also takes care of your body it runs your body well when you extract the oil out of it you just threw away all the stuff that makes your body run well Mm. just like when you say just like when you say you have fruit that has sugar in it amazing because it also has all the other stuff that makes your body run well when you just extract the sugar out of something and you create white sugar guess what you did you lost the nutrition you have to understand that you have to apply that to also to fat and also to protein and i've seen so many people say well i make a smoothie that has kale and almonds and cucumber and and avocado and whatever and i go that's amazing and they say and then i put protein powder in it i go well you might as well put a, a candy bar in it i mean what why are you putting junk food in it why would you put junk food in an otherwise very healthy shake like, this it's, is it's, very controversial i think <laughs> well it, it is except for when you look at gorillas and they're eating a bunch of leaves and they're totally muscle bound they're looking at us and going why would you put protein powder eat the leaves that's it works for us it makes us very very strong well we we, we thrive on that stuff there's amazingly strong uh weightlifters uh, eating primarily, if not all plants, and they're getting uh, plenty of protein. They're getting yeah, plenty. Yeah, there of- was like 
one German guy who was really strong on a vegan diet. What was his name? I don't uh, know. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and by the way, really strong guy, like winning course. world records and stuff like That's that. That's right. So. And, and, and I got to be clear, like vegan, you can be super unhealthy and be vegan. I mean, this isn't this isn't about vegan versus not. This is about are you eating healthy food? Because Coca-Cola mm-hmm. is, be, is vegan, right? Um, potato chips are vegan. French fries are vegan. The question is, I mean, vegan just says you don't eat animal products, but you can eat a wildly unhealthy. I mean, all those fake meats. I don't know uh, if you guys Oreos, know. Oreo cookies, I think, are also they are, vegan. Yeah. They are exactly. And so are things like the Impossible Burger. I don't know if you've heard of that. And the Beyond Burger. Those are vegan. Absolute, absolute junk food. I mean, absolute <laughs> junk food. So the question is, are you eating healthy food or not? I mean, that's get away the get away from the labels. Keto, v, vegan, paleo. I have no time for that. I want to talk about the <laughs> nutritional value of food. And then it's a different conversation. Mm. So could 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 you please like give us uh, an actual example here of a, in your opinion, like a good diet to have? Because I think that a lot of people who are listening to this would love to hear this. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'll t- I'll put I'll put it this way. I really want to be clear that anybody listening to this, I, when I talk about what I think a good diet is, I do not the the mistake. I don't want somebody to then say. Now I feel pressure to have to eat this diet every day. Mm. I want to be clear that I do not eat a perfect diet every day. I have I eat most days really really well, and then I, I last night I had a single malt scotch. So it depends on you know like I don't want somebody taking the information I'm going to give you right now and and then feel a bunch of pressure and stress around it. Ultimately, mm. ultimately it's about your stress. So that's all I'm going to say first. Okay, now I'm going to say. <laughs> that, 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 that having said think, that, <laughs> yeah, having, having said that, don't get freaked out about it. Don't look, but having said that, the, when you actually look at what defines healthy food and that, and you said it yourself, Hardy, what makes food healthy isn't that it has protein, fat or carbohydrate in it. That's the gas. What makes food healthy is the, what I call, what I refer to as the motor oil, the stuff that makes the machine run well so that while you're burning gas, you're not overstressing the machine. That is the vitamins and minerals and phytochemicals and antioxidants and fiber and water, things that come with the gas that help the machine run well so that it burns gas efficiently and cleanly. So when you're talking about a healthy diet, you are talking about foods that come with the most micronutrients, the foods that have the most vitamins and minerals and phytochemicals and antioxidants in their calories, the foods that have the most. Now, lots of foods, you know, eggs have micronutrients. They're not junk food, but they're not as healthy as something that has more of those things with the, with the calories. So in the, I'm, I always go to plants. I mean, you get a good base of fruits and vegetables and then whole grains and beans and some nuts and seeds and eating enough calories of those things to support whatever activity you're doing. If you are a weightlifter, you have to eat more food. It's not that you have to do protein powders. You need, you're going to need protein, you're going to need carbohydrate, and you're going to need fat. The question is, where are you getting it, and are you getting it with enough micronutrition to, to make sure your body maintains low stress? When you lift weights, are you stressing your body out? Totally. Excellent, right? You're, you're literally tearing muscle, and your body is going, holy crap, we better repair this. Let me build more muscle. That's what, that's what weightlifting yeah. is. So if you weightlift and cause stress on your body like I do when I train for a, an ultramarathon, you better yeah. take care of your body. You better tell your body, I'm going to give you gas to do this, but I'm also going to give you the stuff to make sure that you're repairing efficiently and well and recovering fast. That's going to be 
plants that have the fiber as well that feeds the good gut bacteria, keeps your digestive tract clean, all that stuff. It's got to be that package. Does that mean you can never eat an animal product or, or some sort of white sugar? No. But if you're eating mostly stuff that comes with a high amount of vitamins and minerals, et cetera, you're going to be healthier than if you don't. And that, and it's, it's literally that simple. I don't want mm. people to be militant. I don't want people to be freaked out about diet, but if you build in most of the time where you're eating stuff that is really nutritious, you're going to be great in good shape and be able to afford having less than healthy food once in a while. Um, Sid, have you heard of this, uh, of the acronym, if it fits your macros or I I F Y M? No. Yeah. No, it's like a, a thing in the, in the bodybuilding community. And, um, it's basically, uh, people are saying that only the calories matter. And I yeah. think it's like ridiculous. It's so, absolutely, uh, it's, it's literally, <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually like, insane. You have like 500 calories of the donut. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's actually insane. And what I've said to people is like, look, if you, if Hardy, if you decided to, to eat the same calories and do the same exact exercise for a month, right? So you and I are doing the exact same workouts and we're eating the exact same calories for a month, but your calories are coming from lettuce and my calories are coming from French fries. But yeah. we're eating the same, okay. So who's, who's in better shape at the end of the month, right? Uh, or I mean, I mean, not, it's not even, a, it's not about the calories. It's about the yeah. calories. There's no sign. There's no science showing that the calories matter. If look, if you were in the wild, if we were living, if we were living, I love your passion, by the way, I love your passion about this topic so. because I want, because I want people to be happy and healthy for crying out loud. I want them to have <laughs> lives that they want to live. I mean, it's, it's not, if we were living in the wild, everything we'd eat would be natural. We wouldn't be having a discussion about carbs we'd be eating we'd be pulling lettuce or a berry off a bush and if we couldn't find it we'd find a wild animal and eat that well that animal would be way healthier than anything we're going to buy in the market yeah. and that and we wouldn't talk about food we wouldn't be talking about if it fits your macros i mean it's it's a crazy <laughs> it's a crazy to me it's a crazy conversation like it's a crazy, it's crazy. Conversation. Yeah. yeah and and i think that um if you're just like if you're i think like if you are really like thinking about it like it sounds to me like It's so obvious to me that yeah. this must be like bullshit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, it totally, it's, yeah, it's, you definitely have to call bullshit on it because it's just, it's just too, it's one of these fad things, you know, that people lock onto. I think people want, and I understand this, I get it. People, first <laughs> couple things, they don't want to be told what to do. So it's fine, I get mm. it. And they also want to continue sometimes, they want to be told that what they're currently doing is the best thing. So, in other words, mm. if I'm eating a bunch of meat and okay. I love meat, And somebody comes and tells me, listen, yeah. what you're doing is amazing. Then that makes me feel even better. Now, all of a sudden, I'm right for doing what I do. Yeah. And that's what we, we want to hear that. Why? Because we don't want to be stressed all the time. I totally I, understand. I, I've, <laughs> I've heard uh, about the bacon diet, and I was like, come oh, on, man. This, yeah. this is like oh. the best sales pitch I've ever heard. But um, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's, it's a money maker. I read a great – one of the best posts I ever read was by a, by a nutritionist in Hawaii – who yeah. said that bacon is a really, really good uh, food for bicyclists. Bacon, mm -hmm. because she said there is protein and there's, a, <laughs> and there's sodium, which is an electrolyte. So she was making the cell that bikers should carry bacon with them to eat while they're riding bicycles. I mean, it's, it's on that level of crazy. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy, yeah. yeah and, 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 and people are buying into this. 
they because they, because it's what they want to hear. They don't want to make mm-hmm. it. I mm-hmm. and the thing is, I have to tell people, I understand that making a change <laughs> is stressful. Like it, of course you want it. If somebody tells you you don't have to do anything, you're doing just fine. It's all about that's, the calories. It's, uh, that's, the, it's, that's the best news ever, right? Because yeah. you can eat all the food you, all the food that you crave, and you don't have to think about it. That's a really really good news, except if you want to be healthy. Mm, so, uh, Sid, could you please speak like about like how would somebody incorporate this uh, new approach into his lifestyle? Because I think that this is like the actual problem that people have that they can't really like change their diet long term. So, yeah, what would you tell somebody um, how to 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 change their habits? Like you gave us a few couple examples, but um, yeah, could you please speak to that like in 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 detail? In the food realm, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I would say so, uh, I know I'm the small stepper guy, so I'd say yeah. ease in. I would. I never. I'm never a take things away from. So I wouldn't say stop eating anything. What I would mm-hmm. say is, mm-hmm. and I've done this with clients, by the way. I've said, you know, whatever you eat for dinner, because sometimes I have clients who've been eating junk food for 30 years, and I and I don't want to, and they're used to it. That's their habit, right? So that's their habit. They enjoy it. They look forward to it. The worst thing I can do is say stop doing that because in a month they're going to be doing it again. So what I would say is wherever you're at currently unless you have a you know some horrible health problem in which case your small step is to change your diet overnight but for most people who just want to make a change start by adding in things. Start by eating an apple mm-hmm. first thing in the morning. Before you have your eggs and bacon, have an apple. Just start by bringing things in. At dinner, if you have a unhealthy junk food dinner, put uh, some stalks of celery or a little pile of lettuce on the side. Just Just start incorporating more stuff. Start to make that move. Start to pay attention in that way. And then and then build more in over time. The lettuce salad on the side gets a little bit bigger over time. The white pasta that you eat turns into whole wheat pasta. You add some beans on top of a salad that you're making. You have a little more fruit in the morning. You throw some fruit and water in a blender and make a little smoothie that you drink on the way to work at work that you're snacking on potato chips. Fine, have the potato chips, but also snack on some carrots and celery. Also, I'm not taking the mm-hmm. potato chips away, but but bring in a few things. That's why I said for you, like when you sit down five minutes without that stuff. I'm not taking away your podcast that you do while you're eating dinner or whatever, but maybe five minutes of something else. Bring, mm-hmm. Start to make those moves. And that, I, I think, in my experience, creates the possibility for actual change. You you get to a place where you find a good balance that works for you, enough healthy food to make you feel really good and and then you're done. I don't know where that is for people. I have a certain balance for me. I know about how I need to eat most days to feel really good and if I tip that scale and I start eating a little more junky, I don't feel as well. Mm. I, I, I I don't feel I can tell and I don't like it. So then I go back. Um, so I don't know, I don't want to put that into anybody's, you know, you do this these days and measure this and eat this at 10 30. Mm. I don't, I don't want to play, I don't want to play that <laughs> game. I don't want to play that game. But if you know what healthy food is, if you know what healthy movement of your body is, if you know what, you know, socializing actually is, then you'll do start to do those things a little bit more and, mm. and do the other things a little bit less naturally. You'll sort of move them out of the way a little bit. So, so Sid, we've addressed like the importance of diet and we've addressed like the importance of like lowering your stress levels. But um, what we haven't talked about is uh, the importance of sleep and exercise. So, uh, yeah. Could you please share, share your thoughts on that with us? So, Sure. So, so, 
I mean, these are all part of the big picture of health, right? I mean, it's not, mm. to me, it's not brain surgery to say, look, do we need to sleep well? You know what I mean? And there's a lot of cool research on sleep and I've been reading a little bit and, and uh, actually more than a little bit and just f- trying to find out um, and exercise too. So we have to understand that moving, my first book's called Approaching the Natural. And this is the mindset that I, that I talk about, which is understanding what is most natural for us as a species. Mm. Understanding as human species, I don't care, we're all related. I don't care where you're from. We're all related. We're all one species. We're like almost 100% genetically Mm. related. So understanding what's natural for us as a species to say, okay, is moving our bodies more natural than sitting on a couch? Of course. (laughs) Nobody can disagree. Exactly, right? So is eating something that is more natural? uh, You know, everybody, I don't care if you're studying nutrition or not, is an apple healthier than white sugar? A hundred percent of people will know that that's true, yeah, right? So there's a certain there's a certain level of co- of common sense that we can say like, okay, that's natural for us. Is is being mm-hmm. is is being in a room with a human being, and socializing with them more natural than than Facebook? Of course, everybody understands that. So let's at least understand that. Then we can say, mm-hmm. okay, what can we actually get done? That goes for sleep, and that goes for exercise too, moving your body. But the thing is, is tell me, show me a wild animal that exercises. What wild animal, and I mean by exercise, I mean moving for 30 minutes just to move, going to a, lifting weights. Show me an animal. No that, one, I think, right? Not, not, not one. Now, <laughs> now show me, now show me a wild animal that moves their bodies. Uh, yeah. The lion, everyone. cows, Every, like everybody. Everyone. Yeah, everyone, yeah, everyone, everyone. Right, okay. everyone. So, so the point is, is movement is totally natural. Exercise, not so much. Now, mm. do I exercise? Of course I do. I think exercise is amazing. I have a job. So to me, because I have a job, I can't move my body throughout, although I'm pretty active at work. But for some people who are sitting in an office, let's say, they may not be able to move their bodies. Uh, so the exercise is the name of the game. But you can exercise too much. You can mm. stress your body. People are, to me, a lot of people right now are exercising too much because they don't want to change their diets and they want to lose weight. So they're feeding themselves unhealthy food and then, and that's stressful, then adding further stress by beating themselves up in a gym or on a treadmill or whatever. To me, it's finding a balance of movement that is supported by nutrition, number one, and an amount of movement that is going to be adaptive and strengthening and not stressful. Again, it's always going to be in that sort of like level of, is this causing you harm or not? So, and, and then furthermore, the studies on fiber, I'm not even kidding, how fiber can affect sleep, it, improve fiber intake, can improve sleep, exercise. That's crazy. Yeah, exercise can improve sleep. So, of, like, there's, you know, I run, I, when I move, I'm doing strength training right now, like, I feel re- body, I feel like I've expended good energy at the end of the day. It makes me sleep better. You know, like, I don't have mm. pent up energy. But caffeine intake is a total, I drink, I love coffee, but I don't drink a lot of it. And I also have over the last about four months now, I finished my last cup of coffee around noon. Uh, mm. I don't drink. I don't drink anything after. And that's I used a good to, habit because I think so that good. people are like drinking coffee like way too late, like at 5 p.m. Like, okay, man, like uh, I think it would still affect your sleep if you're like sleeping at 10 p.m. or something like that. It, so. it, it, it really, oh, no. So they said that the, the uh, um, there's a 12 hour quarter life of of coffee, me- meaning 12 hours later, if you drink a cup of coffee at two in the morning, uh, sorry, at two in the afternoon, drink mm-hmm. a cup of coffee at two in the morning, 12 hours later, 
you're going to still have a quarter cup of coffee worth of, of caffeine. In your and, and, and the, I think the, the important part here is that people say that, oh, yeah, I can still sleep when I'm drinking a, a, cof- a cup of coffee like late in the day. But um, I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. It actually also affects your sleep quality. So hundred uh, percent. Yeah. So that's the thing I would always say is I have no problem sleeping, but it's the mm-hmm. depth of sleep. It's how yeah. deep you sleep and that, and that, and that's what I've learned over the last few months as I've been researching sleep is, is all about the quality of sleep. I mean, if you can't sleep, that's pretty clear. Okay. I, I'm caffeinated. I can't fall asleep, but yeah. if you're falling, if you're falling asleep and sleeping seven and a half hours, eight hours, and you wake up feeling exhausted, probably the depth of sleep isn't there. And that's what I noticed for me. I was getting the hours, but I never felt that rested. And so when I backed up my caffeine and sort of, I drink, I don't, I drink about a cup worth of coffee's worth of caffeine. I split it into two yeah. espressos. Anyway, and I'm done by <laughs> noon. Um, I, I have been sleeping better. Like I actually wake up feeling more rested. And, and that's been a, unfortunately a very new thing for me over the last few months. And I'm looking back and going, man, I should have done this 10 years ago. And, and I think that most people aren't aware of like how they are like so addicted to, co- to coffee. Like I think like people are dragging down the coffee like crazy nowadays. Like, I don't know, like drinking like four or five cups a day. I don't think this is healthy. Like, no. Well, and look what happens when you drink that amount of coffee, then and your sleep's not as good. Then you mm-hmm. wake up feeling less rested. What are you going to do? More coffee. Yeah. I mean, that's what, in America, I don't know how it is in Germany, but kids in America, they're walking around with these huge energy drink cans and they're just energy drinks all day. I mean, that's so how they're. Unhealthy. Oh, my gosh. I mean, so unhealthy. Man, and, and, I, I avoid this crap. Like, yeah. 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 And it's like, that's what's happening. You know, that's a pretty, pretty common thing, not just with kids, but adults, too. This sort of energy drink model. It's not good. You know, it's not a good thing. Um, when in the past I have been drinking more coffee, I definitely don't feel as good. I had to really do the work of weaning myself off my coffee intake, um, from about three or four cups down to about one cup. And because I didn't feel good, I wasn't exercising as well. I was fatigued. I was, you know, I got injured Mm -hmm. once I was like, you know, on a run, I ruptured my Achilles tendon. I was exhausted and, and totally, you know, not able to pull off that kind of workout. Yeah. A, a, a podcast guest of mine uh, recently wrote a, a blog post, a blog article about like quitting uh, coffee. And um, he, he, he basically wrote that the gist of the article was that he had like serious symptoms um, of withdrawal after quitting coffee. So, uh, yeah, he oh, was like you- sweating and having headaches all the time. Yeah. And- yeah, not it's feeling dr- good at all. It's a dr- it's a drug. I mean, there's no doubt about it. One time I gave up coffee for about three weeks um, this years ago, and I was recording an album, and I had given up coffee for three weeks. I'm sitting in the recording studio, and we were pulling like a 12-hour day, and I started getting really tired. So I thought, okay, I've been off coffee for three weeks, but man, I need a cup of coffee. So I, I went around the corner, I bought a cup, cup of coffee, and I drank it. First cup of coffee in three weeks. It was like I had done cocaine. My hands were sweating. <laughs> I was talking. I was I was like jittery, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is crazy!" You know, if you if you just get if you just get off caffeine for a few weeks and then get back on it, you realize like this is not a joke. Like it's actually a thing. I love coffee. Like I love the flavor so much, and so. If it starts to, you know, tank my health, I, I will too give it up. But right now, I'm able to find a, a place where I can maintain, you know, because I because I lowered it, and so that's it works for me now. But I, I clearly know it's not a healthy thing. So you know, it'll be the first to go if I don't feel as well as I do. So so, what would you recommend people? Uh, like, how much coffee should they take, like maximum per day? Like uh, one yeah. cup, two cups, like what, one, one would be your 
I would say, you know, maximum one to two cups. And I would say, and I, and, and I would generally have said that for a while, but now I'm also saying, and try to finish it, you know, by noon, you know, try to, try to sort of wrap it up. So I love espresso and espresso has less caffeine than a cup of coffee. So because I love coffee so much, I get, I'll have two espressos so I can have, you know, it twice, um, but also keep my caffeine intake to about one cup, uh, of coffee worth of, of caffeine. And that's just what I do. Um, but also I moved it up to my second espresso is usually at 1130 or noon and then I'm done for the day. And it, it, that was definitely hard cause I always loved that afternoon cup. But once I changed, I actually not as tired in the afternoon. And so I, I you know, again, cause I'm sleeping better. So, so it's sort of like, yeah. So, so Sid, um, like, what are your thoughts on, on cheat days? I was just thinking about it because a lot of people like are doing cheat days. So, uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that I, I, I go a little deeper on that. I, on one hand I go great. Like it's, it's what you do most of the time and having a cheat day, you know, it's like no, no problem. Um, mm. I, I do, I do work with people and, and sometimes people say, you know, I, I, I feel like if I'm so good all week, I want to, I want to treat myself on a day, you know, on a day, I want to treat myself and have a, have a, have a spec. And I want people to, to, in a way, think about the days that they're being so-called good. That's also treating yourself well. I think people, I think people look at healthy eating, like they're having to slog through it and that they're, yeah. sort of a, they're like that, that it's miserable. And then they've earned eating junk food. And I, and I, and I, and I want people to at least acknowledge that during the week when you're eating well, that's also treating yourself well, that's you mm. making yourself healthy and also ha happy. And then when you have a less than healthy food, that's, that's fun too. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure when I have a single malt scotch, it's not because it's healthy, right? It's, <laughs> it's, it's because I enjoy it, but both things are treating yourself well, both things. Mm. So it's not, so the reason is, is because I think what happens is people have that kind of slog through the week mentality and then their cheat day. They go absolutely nuts, yeah, you know, like, like bonkers. way more right bonkers because they've so-called earned it. And I'd like, if you sort of mellow things out and go, look, I treat myself this way in a good way mm. for this. And then on this day, I treat I myself this. well and have fun. And but it's all kind of mellowed out a little bit instead of mm. so extreme. Yeah. That, that, I, for, for most people I've worked with, that works better than being militant for six days and then just binge on seventh day. I don't think that's a good, I, that generally doesn't work for me and or it, for people. And, and I think this comes from this uh, diet mentality of like going like, so doing like super low calories, that's like right. for, for like five or six days and um, yeah. then just like massively overeating on on the weekend so uh yeah i think that's stressful for the body and for the mm -hmm. mind I, i think it's mm -hmm. weird and then all week you're just you're not happy because you're looking forward to that day where you can, yeah I, I, you know and it's like totally. you know what if you're if you're eating a salad like good for you you know like treat like you should be happy about that you should be like that's look at me i'm treating myself i'm giving my body what it needs that's amazing and then mm. on a day that, you know, that one day a week where you go out to dinner with your friends and you have something less than healthy, you go, well, this is really fun. I'm treating myself well doing this too, because this is fun. And I can't wait to get back to the healthy eating because I feel so good on that too. Mm. So that it's not just like either or. Yeah, it makes sense. So uh, Sid, could you please speak about like the things that excite you the most nowadays? Like, is it still like health and diet or what are the things that you are thinking about like most of the day nowadays? So, uh, um, yeah. uh You know, health and diet, of course, my, you know, like podcasts and the videos and things that I do, small steppers, I'm running a group right now and I'm, it's exciting to, you know, exciting to work with people on that level to kind of slow them down and pull mm -hmm. the reins back and say, listen, for the first time, you're not, this isn't a quick fix. Like, I love the excitement of people realizing that for the first time. Um, I'm writing a new book, you know, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I, I, I'm excited about that. I've been writing music again. I, for, I turned 50 last December and for a gift to myself, 
I called my band who all still live in Los Angeles and I said, listen, would you guys be open to playing a show for the first time in 14 years? And they all said yes. And so last February, I went down to Los Angeles and we played a show and uh, it was just amazingly fun. But I started writing again. So I've got about an album's worth of material. um, And so it's really exciting to me to think that possibly we will record again. I never thought that was going to happen. Um, so I'm very passionate about that and, and, and I can't believe it. Like I've got material now and it's been a long time. So I've, and, and send them, I sent them down demos of the stuff and we're talking about possibly this winter, them coming up to my house and, and us recording together. Cool. Um, so, so that's, I know like really just, just stuff that is so cool. And, um, yeah. And, and so that's, and, and of course my, my family's always the first thing. I don't really talk about them much, but it's sort of understood in my life that like, that's my priority. I love being with my kids and my wife, we have a really good time together. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, I've have, I have a lot of good stuff going on. I have definite stress in my life. There's no doubt about that. Um, I, you know, I have sort of the, I'm a pretty normal guy. Like I, you know, my kids are at a soccer game right now. Like this is, you know, we're doing like kind of normal stuff, but I always love having, I always, I don't want to say love. I always need something in my life that is mine and that I'm passionate about. I, mm. if there's a, if, if there's a full addiction that I have, it's that I I'm addicted to having something that is a project, something creative, something that is inspiring. I think it's a good a- addiction. So it is it's <laughs> a very, it's a very healthy addiction. And I think what it does is, I don't, I don't think I know what it does <laughs> is it makes me a better husband and it makes me a better father. Mm. When I have something of mine there on the side, it doesn't take a lot of time, but it's something that little spark that I have that that lights my fire. I'm a better man as a result of that. And so I'm always, if one thing project ends, I am looking for the next thing. I want to be engaged in something that is exciting and inspirational to me. I, I direct a, an ultra marathon. It's going to be in its cool. fifth year. Yeah. And I, I, you know, next April will be the year, the fifth year of it. Uh, it's one, one day a year, it's one race and I absolutely love it. And that's like this thing that's always kind of out there of like, yes, I have that too. And it's fun and it's inspiring. And I, I crafted it in a way that it doesn't cause me a ton of stress. It's stressful, but not a ton of stress. And it's just a fun and it's amazing. And people come back year to year and they come from all over the country. And last year I had somebody from England fly out to do the race and it's, and you're, it's like almost familial and social and fun and positive. And so those are the things that, that keep me going. So, so what is your job there? Uh, in the ultra marathon, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the I'm the director. I create it's my race. I created it and mm. and, and run it. Yeah, and so it's called the Mendocino Coast 50k. Yeah, and uh, well, I I you know I've run the ultras and I and the short story is I was running training for my first race around here and I don't I I, I knew there was some trails but I didn't really know anything about the area and so I was mostly running on roads because I just didn't know where I was going. And I met this girl also named Sid. And, and she, and she was an ultra runner already. And I, and she'd already run races and she said, Hey, if you want to run with me, I, I go out all the time. I said, yeah, sure. And she knows all the trails. So she starts taking me out on these amazing trail runs and I've, I'm going, Oh my God, this is so beautiful. I bet there's an ultra marathon here. And if there's not, there should be. And there never was, and there never had been. And I thought, what does it take to put on a race? And so I just started researching how to put a race on from scratch. And I knew that I wanted to make a race that I would want to run myself. That was my, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to run, I want to create a race that I would want to run myself. Mm. And so, so I put together with a lot of help, by the way, 
um, and volunteers. I got like 45 volunteers and, you know, this guy who helped me put the map together and these people who do volunteer, you know, like I have a p- people who help me. So it's definitely not a one man show. Um, so I created this race and, um, it sold out in its first year and it's sold out every year since I don't even promote it. It's this last year's race sold out in in an hour and 40 minutes. How many it, people it, are participating in it? 150. And, yeah. and, and I, and I keep, and people go, you should grow it because I have a big waiting list now. And I said, I'm never going to grow it. Why? I want it to, because I, because it's a race that I would want to run, which is small, intimate, mm. plenty of parking. There's no shuttles. Every there's like, you could show up five minutes before race start. You can drive in park. There's p- parking for everybody. It's incredibly beautiful. And I want it to be intimate and I want it to be small. I feed mm. everybody. At, at, after the race, not just the runners, like anybody, you could show up to the Man, race to watch. Sounds like a great event. Yeah. There's no like, Oh, check your number. You get to have, food, <laughs> you eat, but you don't, it's like food for everybody. I feed everybody, mm. uh, people who showed up to, to, to watch, they can, they eat. It's a big party. It's fun. And, um, and it's been awesome. such, such a fun event. Yeah. So yeah, Mendocino coast 50 K and it's, and it's been, it's sold out every year. And, and so I keep 150, I have a wait list. Um, and as people cancel, which they do, sometimes I'll get 20, 30 cancels. I bring people in off the wait list, but there's just some people who just don't get in. And I don't, you know, people go, Oh, you should run it. Oh, you should do a different distance. I go, no, it's going to be the same race every year. Cause I love it. And at some mm. point people will stop running it and I'll, I won't do it anymore, <laughs> you know, but for now people dig it. Yeah. You seem to love it. So, uh, oh, I love it. It's so fun. The days I've done some videos on YouTube. If somebody wants to look it up, but I, I greet every runner. When they come across the line, every runner, every runner, every I'm there runner. for, I'm, I'm there for every single runner when they come across the line. And I, I like, it's, that's the thing, right? I keep the numbers low enough where I connect with every runner, every mm-hmm. runner I greet when they come across and, and it's, and my daughter hands out the medals. It's cute. It's like a little family thing. It's just so, so fun. So, so is it like a, a lot of work to, to get this thing going or is it like acceptable for you? It's acceptable. The, yeah. the first couple of years were, um, if it hadn't gotten easier, I don't know if I'd kept, I, if I would have kept doing it. The first couple of years were the first year was like incredibly stressful because I felt a lot of pressure. I didn't think that was, that I would sell out and I did. And so then I have people coming from all over the country to this. How race are you promoting it? Like in the first year, like, in the first year is the only time I ever promoted. It was the first year I sponsored a, a podcast called the ultra runner podcast. And the yeah. host of that is this guy named Eric Schramm. And he came out and actually ran my race, which was, which is, which is cool. And then I put one ad, a small ad for a hundred bucks in a ultra running magazine. Other than that, I, that was it. Other than that, you know, I, I people talked, started talking about it on Facebook, and I cool, sent, I man. sent flyer, I sent flyers to mouth. some, yeah, I sent flyers to some running clubs, like physical paper flyers to some running clubs, uh, yeah. local, and all of a sudden I'm like, holy crap, I'm selling this thing out, like it's nuts. Um, every year it's gotten a little easier just because I'm more familiar with it. I now mm-hmm. own, I own like all the stuff. You know, I own the coolers and the bins and the, and the, I, like I own everything. So I don't have to go like, what am I, what do I need to get? Like I have, it's all, it's all in a storage and, and you don't need to invest the money like every year again. And yeah, yeah, the money's too, but also I just have the stuff. So I don't need to mm. think about it. And I have a to-do list that, that I click off every year. And then before the next year's race, I bring it the same to-do list out. So I know what I've got and it's, you know, got 200 things on. It's a lot of little details people don't think about. Um, and so it is busy, but again, I have, I have help. And, um, and then I launched the damn race. It's, it's amazing. And, so yeah, cool. and, 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 and what was the reason? Like why you, why you created the race in the first place? So, uh, I don't know. 
<laughs> I, 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 I wish I could answer. Like it was just this thing I'm running. <laughs> I'm, I'm running on trails and I go, this place should have an ultra runner, an ultra ultra marathon. It's an incredibly beautiful place. It's not very populated. And, and the next thing I know, I'm directing a race. I, I don't know. Right, I never right. wanted to be a race director. I, it's not something that is a, prof- a profession of mine. It's I don't know. I don't know, but it's fun for now, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so basically you don't have any plans on scaling that and maybe no. like creating a second race in LA or something like that. No. Not at all. Zero. zero. No, no. Zero. no. All right. This race is just as I, it's a loop. So it's mm. not an out and it's not an out and back and it's not a point to point. So there's no shuttle. You, you start and finish at the same place. It's mm. very beautiful. It starts by a river and this, I mean, it's mountain. It's like so beautiful. And so it's just, it's like as easy as it can be. And I don't want to mess it up. Like it's just mm. where it needs to be. And if, again, if people lose interest and they don't want to run it anymore, maybe then I'll change it or something. I don't know. I probably would stop doing it. I just, it's like perfect. I like don't rock the boat, you know, like it works. I don't want to mess mm. it around with it. Like, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking about a, a few business owners I know that are like saying um, they don't want to grow their business. They don't yeah. want to manage more stuff. They don't. Right. They they aren't interested at all in, in, in playing this game of getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, that's exactly how I am. I, I, I mean, hundred mm-hmm. percent in that camp. Like this works. I don't make a ton of money on it personally. Like a barely any enough to make it worthwhile. Um, so it's not a moneymaker. It's not my main right. job. I don't have the pressure to make a living off of it. It is purely a labor of love and, mm-hmm. and I, I love it and it's fun. And like I said, people come back, there's people who are, you know, I've been running it every year and I know them, they come up and they see me and they say, we give each other hugs. Good to see you again. Like it's, it's, it's like the, it's like the anti-social media, you know, it's like the, mm-hmm. this is the, this is the stuff. This is the stuff that's for me, the best part of being a human is having people of all races and whoever they are from what coming to this race and having fun and being together and it's everyone wants to be there it's all pause people come across the finish line crying they're so emotional mm. it's sometimes it's their, sometimes it's their first ultra marathon they didn't think they could do it and they do it and they cross over and they're just like in tears and it's like ah oh, i mean it's like the, it's like such a it's such a cool thing Mm. So Sid, um, what I really love about you is that you are clearly like thinking for yourself because um, I think that in this day and age, like everybody is encouraged to always go bigger and bolder yeah. and you know what I mean? So I do. Um, like there are like so, so few contrarians like out there who are like also thinking for themselves because like most people are always stuck in this whole like, oh, I have to get bigger. I have to do more. And um I, I love it when somebody says, nope, I'm not interested in this. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely not. And and I got to tell you, like for me, I mean, I know I 100% agree with you. That's the whole thing. Go big, go bold, keep growing. Yeah. To me, yeah. like, do, do, doing doing my race is for me is big and bold. To, mm. to other people, it's a small little shitty 150-person race. For me, it is what's big and bold. It's one of the things in my life that's big and bold. And, and so I think it has to be, for you what is it for you what is what is mm. what is what is putting your ass on the line mean for you for me it doesn't mean growing the race to the point where i don't enjoy it to me it means keeping the race having the quality and the fun of it and the authenticity of it that i love it that that is my big and bold is to do something that i continue to be passionate about if i change it and grow it and do multiple races then all of a sudden it's no fun for me I've lost the I've lost the fun. Why would I do, unless I have to? Makes unless, no sense. Yeah. yeah I, unless I unless that is the only way I can make a living, then okay, fine. But that's not the case. I have a job. 
you know, so like this is a labor of love. It's like, that's mm-hmm. it. That's the reason. So, uh, Sid, I think everybody who's listening to this um, wants to hear, like, what's your upcoming book about? So the uh, so the first book I wrote called Approaching the Natural, my overall uh, health manifesto, it's called. The mm-hmm. second book is Raising Healthy Parents, which is about parents taking care of themselves first in order to parent however they want to parent. So that it's the idea of my small steps is applied to parenting. Mm-hmm. My new book, and I can't go into too much detail because I'm, I'm literally writing it right now, but it's called Six Truths. Um, it, the working title right now is six truths live by these and be happy. Don't, and you won't. And, um, it's, that's what, a bold title. I know. So what, what, big and bold, right? Uh, so, so, so one, so one of the things, one of my main passions with, with health and happiness is to yeah. simplify. I want to, I'm always wanting to be, to simplify things as much as possible for people. How can I take people who are confused and rightfully so by this person saying this diet and this person saying that diet, this person saying this fitness thing, this person saying this, all the stuff that is crazy. And then we've got the news stressing us out and we've got politics and all these kinds of things. Can I simplify things into some easily usable truths that if people follow, they get a handle and more control of their lives, that they can feel better day to day. Then they can live whatever. I don't want to tell people how to live their lives. I'm saying like, I'll use my raising healthy parents book. People said, well, why do you, why are you writing a parenting book? And I said, it's not a parenting book. I'm not in that book. I don't tell somebody how to parent their kids. I'm saying, however you want to parent your kid, you will do that better when you feel better, when your stress is managed, when you take care of yourself first, you can be the parent you want to be. So six truths is in that same vein, which is when you take care of yourself and understand some, what I think are the basic truths of how to live well, then you can do whatever you want to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I am going to say when you feel better in your mind and body, you'll be able to execute whatever life you want to live more, more, more effectively. So I'm always trying to boil down complicated stuff that I think is overcomplicated, unnecessarily complicated. What kind of things? Like diet, like so many different kinds of diets, like, uh, you know, the guru problem, you know, which I talk about in the book, like the guru problem, like, like, don't follow, don't follow a person. Only listen to me, guys. Yeah, the only, besides for me, don't listen, yeah, exactly, don't follow a person, don't follow a person, don't follow around a person and go to, you know, it's about thinking for yourself, it's about strengthening yourself, it's about thickening your skin, people are, you know, very, very, you know, and I, look, I'm definitely in this camp, like, too sensitive, like, I'm trying to go, like, when I'm clear about who I am, I'm less sensitive. When I'm stressed and underslept and I feel not good in my body, I'm way more sensitive. So to me, it's about you know taking care of yourself. How do you manage life in a very crazy world? How do you do that better? Well, you do it by learning really what it means to take care of yourself. And so this new book is to that same end, which is boiling things down into six truths and saying, okay, these are the deal. Um, I envision it to be a pretty s- slim book. I'm not doing you know, stories about clients and I'm not doing, you know, anecdotes. It's like bare bones to the point and I don't have a publisher for it yet. Yeah. I don't have a publisher for it yet. So that, you know, who I might have to put it out myself. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm, I don't want to go with the same publisher that did my other two books. So I'm trying to, I want to write it and then I'll see, you know, where it goes. So, so, uh, do you already know like what, what are the six truths are? Or? Yeah. Yeah, I already know the six truths, and I've already made notes on the six truths, and so I, I I've got it. I've but got you don't it. feel comfortable sharing it with us. I don't want to share them yet. 
I don't want to share. I don't want to share. I don't want to share them yet. One of, one of the truths I'll tell you. One of the <laughs> yeah, the main, you have to tell the, one. The main, the main the main truth is is and I I can't remember the wording I use, but it's it's <laughs> the sense is living is li- you have to live the example, mm-hmm. be the example, being the example, be the example. And and people sort of say that and they kind of get it, but they really don't. And and I, I don't think that when you actually focus on how you are living, how what you are doing. And make that your primary focus. You're going to talk a lot less about what other people should do. One of the main parts of my own practice is me being able to do this myself. I, I, always. I From day one, I am a small stepper. I have the same struggles, but I use my program. I use it because if I can't use it, then I should shut up about it. If I can't pull this off, if I, if I can't be healthy, but I'm going to tell everybody how to eat healthy and <laughs> I'm not healthy, then I should shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And so, skin, so having skin in the game. It, get your skin in the game. And that's so that this truth is it's easier said than done. It's like, oh no, be the change you want to be. No, actually do that. Like actually mm-hmm. what that means is a lot more work than you think it means to pull off happiness, health, vibrancy, strength to actually become that before you open your mouth is a very, very tough thing to do. And that's what I struggle with day to day. But I understand it as part of my job. Every time I go on a run, every time I do strength training, it is part of my job because my job is to help people live healthy and happy. So if I can't pull that off or if I'm listening to somebody talk about diet and they're not healthy, I don't want to listen to them anymore. I, I, I call bullshit on that. I, and maybe that's unfair. I don't have a lot of time. So I don't want to hear somebody talk to me about what I should be doing in the gym or in a, in a, you know, a, on a run or eating when they're not as healthy as I am. I have no business for that because what it means is they might, they might have good knowledge, but they don't know how to implement it. And I got to know, I got to know how to actually get this done. That's the, to me, the bigger picture. So for instance, I'm looking at you and I'm going, you're in better shape than I am. You're stronger than I am. So if I wanted to get stronger, I would go to you and go, Hardy, what are you doing? Tell me what you're doing. Cause (laughs) because, because it's working for you. I wouldn't go to somebody in less, less good a shape as I am. Mm. You know, I don't care how much of an expert they are. I got no, I got no time for that. I really don't. So I'm going to look for somebody who is embodying their word Mm. and then I will listen to them and find out differently then I'll stop listening to them. And that's it. And I also think that um, most people actually like respect the other person like way more when they have skin in the game. Like for instance, if if somebody wants to wants to get lean or something, and a fat guy, it doesn't make him a bad person. But um, a fat person, a trainer would would give him advice. He would be like, "What the fuck? What? Why is he saying that to me?" So uh, yeah, yeah, what is it? Yeah, what's not working for that person that yeah. they can't, they can't even live by their own word? It doesn't mm. mean the word's wrong. It doesn't mean they're word's wrong. It doesn't mean that they're 100%, not one hundred percent. One hundred percent. It just means that I don't want to listen to them. And I, and I know, I know that sounds harsh. It's, I'm not saying they're wrong. It is in, harsh. It is yeah, harsh. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying they're wrong in, in, in their words or their information. They could have the amazing information, but I think that we are not giving enough weight and importance to the implementation of words. Ideas are a dime a dozen, but who is living by them? I am inspired by people who are living their word and i want to be inspired i want to go to somebody who goes i want to go how the hell are you doing that that's amazing how are you being that productive how are you being that good of shape how are you doing whatever you're doing at whatever then i will listen short of that i got no time for it and i know that's harsh and it is and it's what it is but i think that time is so limited now i i tell people i go look i've said this i've probably said this 10 times in my various podcasts if i am not the 
if I'm not living the example to somebody, if they look at me and go, he's not living the example, they should never listen to me. I mean, I'm very open about that. Unless you think I'm doing well, don't bother. Do, mm. There's a, lots of other people doing things great. Find somebody who lights that fire under your ass. It may not be me, but if it is me, stick with me and then mm. listen to my words because you think that I'm actually able to live them. But if you don't, if you think I'm full of shit, then you should definitely not listen to me, right? <laughs> and maybe, yeah. and maybe so I'm sure some people think I'm full of shit, but but I try not to be. I really work very hard to to be the example of the words that I'm saying. I think there's too much, especially with social media, too much just talking, mm. too, much talking too much arguing. It's like, no, 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 shh, quiet, be, be that thing. Then talk mm. later, but got to be that thing first, right? That's my, that's, that's truth number one. I don't know uh, how the situation is uh, over in the U.S., but um, for instance, in Germany, so, so many doctors, and again, it doesn't make them bad people, but um, they're like totally out of shape, like totally. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and they're like giving diet advice and nutrition advice. and Yeah. 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 Oh, no, I've had, I brought my kids into, you know, <laughs> in, in America, you have to bring your kids to get a physical at certain times for, for, to get for school. Mm. So I bring my kids in to get a physical and I've had do obese doctors walk in. I had one woman who was so obese and she kind of stumbles in and she goes, make sure your kids are getting enough protein. And I was <laughs> like, why? you know, and I'm like, why? I didn't say it because I'm not going to be mean, but I'm like, why are you yeah. talking about food and nutrition? Then my kids are in good shape and I'm in good shape. Leave me alone. It's, it's don't have that conversation <laughs> with me. You know, everyone's so willing to, to tell everybody else what they should do. And they're not doing themselves first. I think it make I think it mean it makes a difference <laughs> when you're doing it yourself first. I it's mm -hmm. sometimes it's a little bit intangible, but I think it comes across in a more profound way. It's not it's hard to add, it's hard to do the numbers on it. Mm -hmm. But to me, to me, it makes a difference when the person at least has I perceive it. And I could be wrong, but if I think somebody's actually living their word, I'm I tend to incorporate their ideas more. 100%, 100%. I just have a, a great example in my personal life. For instance, because I've started running like three or four months ago, something like that, and um, I'm really doing it like all the time and I'm not skipping any training. And um, my, my younger brother, um, I'm, he always he hears me speak about like running and how great running is. And yeah, now he's also running. So uh -huh. there you go. Yeah, amazing. Well, you know, in parenting and like in my, you know, in the, in the parenting healthy, you know, the raising healthy parents book, you know, kids look at what their parents do, you know, mm. they, and their parents are, you know, most parents, and I've been guilty of this too, so quick to tell my kids get off screens. But meanwhile, I was holding my phone all the time, <laughs> you know? And so that was a, yeah. a rude, that was a rude awakening for me as a, as a dad to say, well, what example am I set? I'm, it's easy for me to tell my kids, don't, don't carry a phone on you. Don't put your, don't, don't open your, they don't have phones, but the, my teenager does you know don't have your phone on you when i do mm. so i'm full i'm full of crap that way so i had to yeah. stop well i had to stop being full of crap you know i had to i had to eat i had to eat crow on that i had to say look i'm not doing this myself so how can i expect that of a kid they are going to pay can, attention to, yeah you can't that they're going to pay attention to what i do way more than what i say they really do i mean it's actually the truth and so it comes to me in in, in that truth which is to to focus not only but primarily on what you're doing are you doing it are you able to do it if you're not figure out a way to do it because that's how you're going to help more people is when you crack that nut and figure i think i have i could be wrong but i think my small mm. steps approach works that's why i'm passionate about it if it stops working i'll change it i'll figure out a way to make it work it came from 
the point where things weren't working. I mean, my small steps approach came from the fact that what I was doing wasn't working. People weren't following mm-hmm. my recommendation. That's why I crafted it. It didn't come out of thin air. It was like, no, this isn't working. How do I make it work? That was the, mm-hmm. the struggle there, you know? So, so um, because we are like in the realm of philosophy and you've majored in philosophy, so uh, are you still interested in philosophy and, and reading a lot of philosophy uh, on philosophy or, yeah? Um, not direct, you know, I'm not reading philosophers directly. I'm definitely mm. interested in it. I think about things in that big sort of big picture questioning way. That is absolutely for sure. What um, kind of things? Uh, just like the bigger questions of diet and health, health, where does that fit in the bigger picture? That's, I believe mm. my training got me to ask that bigger question, which got me away from talking about food so much, you know, really backing out and saying, what are we, the big picture of humanity? What does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to be successful in your life? Really? What does that mean? That's how I got past the, you know, scale weight kind of weight loss thing of like, wait a second. It's not, a, it's not about that. What, what mm. is it about? Um, I think about ethics a lot. I talk about it in my podcast. It's a very philosophical podcast. I look at things like social media. I look at things like politics through the lens of, of philosophy and thinking and consideration and, and ethics and morality. I look at things through that, um, but also health. I look at, for instance, I look at um, taking care of yourself as an ethical issue. That, that's why I don't want people to talk about weight loss or scale. I, I want to talk about it as, is the right thing to do by you? just as it is for to, to treat somebody else. People mm. often are so focused on treating other people nicely, but they're not treating themselves nicely. They don't, and I think when you understand compassion on a personal level in terms of how you treat yourself, you're way more trained to be compassionate in the world. To me, my philosophy background brought me to that, to those kinds of conclusions, to really ask the hard question of, is, are you the most compassionate person you can be if you're abusing yourself? I, no, I don't think the, I think the answer is no. Can you be more compassionate if you learn how to treat yourself well and to be, to, to learn what self-care is? Can you be a better parent that way? Absolutely. And that's, mm. that's the philosophy of my approach. It's, it's, I look at it as a philosophy for sure, way more than it is any kind of diet or anything. So, like that. so, 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 so c- could you please unpack the, uh, ethic and morality part for, for our listeners here? Because, um, yeah. I think um, it's a discussion worth having. So, I I I do. I think that I think that without context, um, there's a lot. No, so, first of all, I'll put I'll put it this way. I don't think social media is bad. I don't think that mm. social media is bad. I think that it's without context where it's bad. In other words, if you don't understand first of all that it's not actually social, and that it's actually can be overused and addictive. When you understand that, then maybe you can use social media in a way that is really good for you, like keeping in touch with friends that you haven't seen and that live across the country and or across over the across the world somewhere. That's a, that's amazing to keep mm. in touch with people. Uh, that's that's life affirming. But that's uh, that's having un, an understanding of where social media fits in your life. Same thing with diet and everything else. Having that context, that brings a morality and an ethic to it. It brings in a feeling of good versus bad of is this good for me? Is this bad for me? Is this harmful? Is this life affirming? Is it helping me? Is it hurting me? These are questions of value. And when it's questions of value, you are, you're trekking a little bit into the morality ethical world. I would rather somebody under, that's when we, when you talked about like the cheat days, Mm. I want somebody to understand. I think it's a fact. I think when you eat healthy food, it's not restrictive. It's not, Mm. it's not you beating yourself up and slogging. It's like, no, you're kicking ass. You should be patting yourself on the back and, and doing the ethical thing by you. You're doing something ethical. That's why it's so much of a bigger picture than a number on a scale. So 
the ethical morality part of it is simply understanding the real question of what you're asking. What kind of life do you want to live? And how are you able to do that? And if you think that you want to live a good life, but you think that eating well is restrictive and that you're miserable all week because you're eating a certain way and that you need a binge day to feel kind of okay in your life, then I think you're not making the right decisions to live a good life. I think that you need to rethink that. Mm. The, the, it's the thinking of this thing. I mean, this is the solitude that, that you and I talked about earlier. It's the thinking of it. Can we build in moments in our day where we think? And, and consider and actually contemplate and say, ask these questions. What do I really want? Am I doing it? Asking the hard questions, which I've had to ask myself, and I always use myself as an example. Like, am I full of shit by telling my child not to, to be on a screen and I'm on a screen? And it's a hard answer to say, yes, I'm full of shit. It's, it doesn't feel good to, mm. to, to answer that, to, to, for me to have said, sometimes when I walk in the door at the end of the day, after a hard day at work and I'm stressed, I, I'm not a good dad. I hated having that answer. I hated admitting that to myself, that I walk in the door stressed and I'm in the same room with my kids, but I can't even have a conversation with them because I'm so stressed about work and I'm checking my phone incessantly. It did not feel good for me to say, that's a, I'm being an asshole. That doesn't feel good. But when I said it and I thought about it, then I was able to make changes to make that happen not as much. Mm. And then I feel, so it's, that's where philosophy comes in. That's where ethics and morality comes in. Can I say, I'm not being a good dad in this moment? How, why? Can I, mm. if I, if I can admit that I'm not being a good dad, finally, then I can say, okay, now how can I be a better dad? Well, one of the ways was to not listen to the news anymore on the way home. I mean, I, I took, uh, another thing was I parked my car. I still do this to this day. I park in my driveway and I take a few deep breaths before I go in the house. I was able to make those decisions and make those actions happen because I was first able to admit the big question, which was, this is not good. I'm not a good person in this moment. I, it's not who I am. Why? Mm. Why am I not who I am? Why am I not the dad I, I know I, I am deep down? Why am I not? And then I can make those decisions. That's where the philosophy comes in. That's so, 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 so in your opinion, it's first about acknowledging your mistakes, your faults, and everything. And not feeling bad, at, you know, not going like I'm a crappy person, but saying, okay, where am I not? I look at it like, where am I not living in line with who I am? Where am I not living in line with my ethics? Because my ethics are that I walk in the door and I'm a good dad. My ethic is that I walk in the door and I'm with my family, my wife and my kids, and I'm with them. And I want to see them because I love them and I want to be with them. I actually want to, I do want to talk to them and be with them. So if I'm not doing that, mm. where, where is it not adding up? How am I not living in line with who I am? So the first question is, who are you? Not, not what you did yesterday, because that may not be who you are, but who are you? Who are you? And I knew who I was right away, which is I'm the dad who leaves work at work, who walks in the door, puts his phone down, and is with his family. That's who I am. Now, mm. once I established that, then it was simply a question of, okay, how do I get closer to that guy? How do I get closer to that guy more often than not? That's it. That was the question. Then I was like, okay, well, let me take a few deep breaths in my car. Let me turn off the news because that was pissing me off. Let me figure out ways to, to, to change this so that I, when I walk in the door, I'm more that guy more often than not. Mm. So the first question is to ask the question. That's the philosophy of this. Ask who you are. Don't look at how you've been doing it. Don't look at how you've been because then you feel bad about yourself. In other words, if you say, I'm a healthy person, I'm a, I'm a healthy person. I'm at a healthy weight, but you're not actually. And for the last 10 years, you've been eating junk food 24 hours a day. That just means you haven't been living who you are. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you're not living in line with your ethic. It means that you're not living in line with the value that you place 
on health. Mm. And when you can ask that question and say, well, who am I really? Well, really, I'm a healthy person. Then you can then look at your life and not feel bad about it. You can say, okay, well, clearly in the diet realm, I haven't been eating based on who I am. That that's not in line with my values. That's not in line with my ethic. Okay, how do I make moves to be to be more who I am? So and, so you know, uh, what what you're trying to say here is that um, everybody should think about who they really are. Yeah, not use your actions in the world to judge who you are. So in other words, if mm -hmm. you just look at how you've been eating, you're going to say, I'm a shitty person. I'm a binger. I can't control myself. I'm an addict. But if mm -hmm. you go, uh, if you go, okay, move that aside for a second. What do you value? Who, who do you, who do you, what do you really, who are you really down, mm -hmm. down deep? You might have a very different answer. You might realize that you're not happy with the fact that you binge, that you eat junk food. If you're not happy about that, that's because the actual you doesn't do that stuff. The actual you doesn't stand for that mm. stuff. So you've been living in conflict with that person. And now it's time to let that person emerge over time. That, now it's time to let that person out. But you got to know who that person is first. If you sit on the couch and don't move ever, you never exercise, you might have the answer like, I move my body. I'm a guy who gets up and takes long walks every day. But you maybe never have. But at least when you acknowledge that, then you start by saying, like, let me first get on the, off the couch and walk around my living room. That's getting me a little closer to who I really, really am. But you got to know who you are first. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to follow some bullshit training plan that gets you off the couch and running three miles a day right away. And then you burn out and you're not happy about it. But if you first mm -hmm. acknowledge I'm a guy who moves his body and, and is active, then you can start the business of becoming active and you start small enough to get you off the couch. Mm, and I think the emphasize is, is a, we, we have to emphasize here. It's really about who you are, because I think a lot of people are looking like left and right and what their colleagues are doing and what their friends oh. are doing and and the, the whole like social circle instead of like really thinking for themselves um, what they want out of life. And, well, isn't uh, isn't social media so guilty of that too? Like what 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 people post is never them doing things not well. You know, most yeah. Of them, right? <laughs> and so and so we suffer that comparison, and we always are in this business of of thinking we're not worthy and we're not valuable and we're not measuring up to somebody that we see. And I think that's very damaging. I think it prevents us from actually asking the real big questions. And to do that, we have to turn off social media, at least during those times we have to have those things shut off on occasion so we can actually ask the big questions that's philosophy that is the big question that's the stuff that you ask when you're not being inundated with top 10 lists about the top 10 superfoods and the top 10 ab exercises when you shut that stuff down and you shut social media off that's when you can ask that question and those questions and that's when you get a very very clear picture of the life you want to live and now you have a direction now you have a way to a, a place to move and you're not going to be moved you're going to move yourself you're not going to have some person say here's what you should do and you do something that's not in line with who you are you're very clear you know who you are now now you can find people who are going to inspire you to become that more i love this so uh sit Let's end on this note. Um, okay. At the end, I always ask every guest of mine five quick questions. But um, before I ask those, I think everybody would love to hear, like, um, what is your best, quote unquote, life advice? Uh, what I just said. First life advice is at, turn off everything for about five minutes and ask yourself, what is your ideal? Who do, mm. what, do you, what do you stand for? What is your ethic? Who are you? How healthy are you in your mind and body? Deep down, not how you've been living. Shut it all off for a second. Ask yourself, who am I? 
knew that. Know that first. We don't ask that question first. That's for, don't do mm. one act of fitness or healthy eating or don't change anything until you ask that question. Know who you are, then you know where you're going. Then get there in a way that maintains lower stress. Don't beat yourself up to get there. Take it easy on yourself to get there. Take care of yourself while mm. you're getting there. And then that's, to me, that's a recipe for happiness. So uh, could you please uh, tell everybody where can they connect with you and uh, buy your books, uh, listen to your podcast, buy your programs and so on and so forth? Okay. Um, yeah. So the main two places are SidGarzaHillman.com, my main site, and SmallSteppers.com. Those are my two sites. Uh, StanfordInn.com is the resort where I work. Um, anyway, so those three websites, because I don't have social media, so that's it. So SidGarzaHillman.com and SmallSteppers.com. Um, from SidGarzaHillman.com, there's links to my books. My books were published, so they're in stores. They're on Amazon. They're kind of everywhere, but yeah, definitely on in you know that. But you can go to the site and get links to other things. My podcast is called What Sid Thinks, and it's on iTunes and everywhere else that you would get podcasts. I do have a Vimeo channel now, so again, you can get that. You can get to that through my website, SidGarzaHillman.com. But um, yeah, so that's my latest thing. And uh, otherwise, the race site, if somebody is an ultra runner and wants to come out and do it, it's Mendocino Ultra. Dot com and I can send you those links and stuff. Got it. So uh, the first out of the five question is, um, what are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life? Oh my gosh. Okay, so definitely uh, Deep Work because I realized that got me to sort of getting off the social media and getting heavy into work. Um, my uh, probably Aristotle's Ethics because mm. I read that I read that in college and that began. I just was totally fascinated by that book still am um and probably my very favorite novel of all time which is called the sports writer by richard ford um just just in terms of opening me up to that kind of level of writing and character and i don't know there's just something so inspiring about that book that i loved and so those are probably my top three books got it so uh, the second question is what are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most um my favorite movie is indian runner Mm. written and directed by Sean Penn. Nobody really knows about it. And it's such a phenomenal movie. I love, I love that movie so much. Um, three other movies, boy, it's tough. Um, I love fabulous Baker boys. I love that movie. And probably, whew, gosh, on the spot. Uh, yeah. Maybe, on yeah. Um, maybe children of a lesser God. Those are probably my top mm. three movies of all time. So the third question is, um, What is the most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? Most useful product or service you have bought in recent memory? Um, I have a sauna. Mm. I, bought, I, I, finally, I finally bought myself a sauna. And, Man, uh, so cool. Yeah, so really, cool. Yeah, so I've been doing heat therapy and cold therapy for, mm. well, I've been doing cold therapy for about two years. I've been doing sauna for about last I'm jealous year. now. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I, I, finally, I finally did it and I, and I, I had a kind of a little portable one, but I wanted to get like an actual, you know, it's not super fancy, but it's a real one that you sit inside. And, and, and so that's, yeah, that, that's probably the mo mo most useful product. <laughs> so uh, the first question is, um, what are the most important realizations you've had in the last couple of years? And we had some guests who said something super personal about their business, family life, relationships, time travel. So speak to anything you feel comfortable sharing with us today. That was that that was in life that I most important realizations in the last um, couple of years. Probably the parenting one I mentioned, just my own realization of of how I could continue being a better father and husband. 
um, is probably one. Um, on a purely diet level, on a purely nutrition level, I've been doing intermittent fasting. Um, mm-hmm. I found I'm 50 years old, and I was just talking to my wife about this last night. One of the most important realizations I realized is I am running on all cylinders if I'm finished eating at about 6 p.m. per day. And, and, and I don't know if it's because I'm 50 now, but as I'm moving it up a little bit and finishing eating earlier in the day, like 6 p.m., 6.30 tops, the next day when I go for a run in the morning on water only, I just feel so much better. So that was an important realization recently. It wasn't so much the intermittent fasting eight, nine-hour window that I do, but it was backing up when I finish eating most days. If I do that earlier, I digest better. I sleep better. It really has made a difference in my own personal life. Got it. So uh, the last question for the day is, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Uh, stop worrying at all about the music business, about getting signed to a music label. Work your ass off. Work, mm-hmm. Play more shows than you even want to. Play to empty clubs. Get on stage as difficult and as shitty as it feels. Play to one person and just keep playing and just keep writing. I look back at those mm-hmm. days and I did play and I did write, but I, but I wasted so much worry and so much energy of trying to get signed and trying to get pit. And I just, I wish I just had said played even more than I did and written even more than I did. Just spend more time in the studio. Um, and that's what I would have told myself mm-hmm. back then. So, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show uh, it oh was God, fun talking to you today total pleasure. It was, uh, yeah I, I think this was a great episode so yeah good <laughs> I hope your I hope your listeners like and I love what you do and thanks so much and and uh, yeah just thanks for having me on it was a pleasure <laughs> my pleasure too so uh yeah talk soon okay Thank you for listening if you like this episode please rate review and subscribe. Also, make sure to share the podcast and tell your friends about it. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I'll see you in the next episode. Over and out.